Hello and welcome to episode 300 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fan's weekly podcast of many topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and we have a very special episode planned ahead for y'all today, but we're going to just introduce the panel and get right into it. So who is joining me for Big 300? It's Alana Hayes. Hey, all And Zach Wilkerson. Hello. And Jonathan Logan. Hello, everyone. And Hilary Andreff. Hi, good to be on Retro again. Well, everyone, uh, this is episode 300. It's a milestone, uh, not only because it's a psychologically satisfying number that ends in zero zero, but uh, yeah, I mean, we, we try to do something a little special, a little fancy on the podcast every 50 episodes, and today is no exception. Uh, and uh, listeners, you probably noticed the uh, episode title is Retro Encounter Battle Royale. We are going to do what we do every 50 episodes and pick a game that we're going to record for the podcast later this year or maybe early next year. But this time we're going to do it with a tournament. Um, we had a tournament format episode uh, once in 2020 when we tried to pick the uh, best console for RPGs. I think the it, it came down to the PlayStation and the Super Nintendo at the end, but please listen to those episodes if you're curious. And we're going to do something similar this time. Um, we have 16 games, each one of them selected by a... Uh, RPG fan staff member or alumnus. I organized those 16 games into a bracket, and we are going to have these this bracket work down to a final game that is going to be a future episode of Retro Encounter. Um, now, I, we've gone over the bracket already with the panelists here, so there shouldn't be any surprises, I think. But how does there, how's everyone feeling? You ready to um, to argue and vote some video games? Absolutely. Yep. I think so. Boys down to argue. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and this is going to be a, a, a little bit less spicy arguing than our essential 10 episode a couple of, a, a month or two ago. <laughs> because sure. this is just going to be a straight up vote with, um, and you know, we have an odd number of panelists. So yeah, there, there won't be anything strange like, like, a, like tiebreakers or shenanigans, I think. I, uh, I just finished the essential 10 and I just wish to say officially on the podcast. So everyone hears, I hate you, Zach. I hate you so much. <laughs> no fair <laughs> i i don't hate zach but i also never forget anything that happens on a podcast so this is gonna it's gonna bother me for a while <laughs> oh you don't hate me but you don't forgive me i understand <laughs> fair. yeah yeah see we, we're all friends here so it's like an, it's like a it's like the walking dead where it's like mike will remember this mm-hmm. oh god i'm basically a telltale game i i guess but anyway, there are no Telltale uh, games on our list of 16, but there are a couple adventure games. We'll, we will unveil yes. the 16 as the, as the matchups go. And I've, uh, I've organized the list into quarters, um, you know, just to make it slightly more like a, like a college basketball bracket. And we're starting off with the Midwestern Division with um, uh, RPG fan uh, denizens from Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, and Missouri. <laughs> So starting off with uh, the picks from Peter Treisenberg and Ava Padilla. Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter and Grandia 2. So these are two PS2 games that uh, have had their predecessors on the podcast before. And um, I have played Grandia 2 but haven't played Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. And I should mention that uh, the only rules here are vote for your heart. I'm sorry, uh, vote with your heart. It can, if there's a game that you like more, you can vote for that. If it's a game you want to see on the podcast or are more intrigued by, vote for that. Uh, there's no wrong way to vote here, as, except you need to vote for one of the two games in question. So uh, thoughts on these two, Breath of Fire, Dragon Quarter, Grandia 2? Uh, 
You say PS2 games. I wouldn't play the PS2 version of Grand Tier 2. <laughs> I would play the Dreamcast or the PC version. The PS2 version is the worst version of it, yeah. unfortunately. Um, I, I can't I can vouch for that, but Grand Tier 2 PS2 is how I eventually beat the game. <laughs> it's how I beat the game as well, yeah. Um, I've played both of them, but I've only beaten Grand Tier 2. Um, I... This is hard because, like, Dragon Quarter is one of those games we were saying beforehand. Um, like, it's had this kind of like critical renaissance, which so many like old games in the series do. Like, sagas going through the same sort of thing, and it's like everyone now wants a bit of this roguelike style Breath of Fire game, and it's a popular game among staff. And we have a really great analysis on the site um, on Dragon Quarter, which did really well online and got like a lot of people shared it. Um, and it was a really fascinating read. Um, I've always wanted to give it another go, but Grandia 2 is one of those games that I played like right in the heat of like my like pre-teen or teenage years and really loved it because it was just like, you know, you know when you're like a teenager and you're really like, you think you're edgy, that's what Grandia 2 is kind of thing. It was like exactly (laughs) the right kind of game for the time and I do really like it and it's one of those funny games that comes up in conversation with you, Solosi, a lot because of a lot of the voice cast in oh, that. Oh, yeah. I, I love that the, <laughs> the three main characters are the blue ninja turtle, Princess Ariel from Little Mermaid, and Femshep. Is, uh, all sort of at different points of their careers. Uh, yeah. What more do you need? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very <laughs> unusual co- uh, coincidence of voice casting. Uh, but, but I think Grandia 2 is genuinely good. I, I mean, it, it's, oh, sort yeah. of, it's sort of weird how Grandia 1... Has this very innocent spirit of adventure, and then Grandia Two has a bit of a of an edge lord an, um, anti hero for its protagonist, but uh, but yeah, but I'll let Ryu do. yeah yeah but, but but like with their visual style and their gameplay mechanics, it's uh, Grandia Two is a just sort of a, a good evolution of Grandia One. Um, oh yeah. So it's it, it's a very good RPG. I'm I'm just for me the vote would be uh, is it a game that I genuinely like but I'm not sure I want to replay versus a game that I have not played. And I'm both intrigued by and and worried about. <laughs> right. I mean, to me, this boils down to like what's better, like the podcast because I, I haven't played Dragon Quarter either. But like, I know that Dragon Quarter has its fans, and like, there's a lot of interesting things about it. And I think that will probably lead to some really interesting discussion. Um, but I, Hillary and I had a discussion about uh, the original Grandia, um, and. Um, I think it would be great to like kind of do a sequel to it. Um, and I also, if I'm voting with my heart, I mean, like, what are more of our listeners going to be interested in? I feel like Grandia 2 is the answer. Um, and I love going back to Grandia 2 because I reviewed the um, HD remasters of it. And I also played it at like my Edgelord phase. Um, and I was like, oh, Ryudo is like, just like me. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, he's not like that now. It's kind of like, like reading Catcher in the Rye when you're young and then like reading Catcher in the Rye when you're later. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, yeah, like, you I feel kind of bad for him now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, so I think that, um, like with the battle system in Grandia too, having played them back to back, um, just like, it's like a, it's the distillation of like everything that works really well about Grandia. Um, and I think that it works incredibly well. And so that would be my vote personally. So did anyone else feel like they were the sky in their group of friends as a teenager, as opposed to Rito? Cause that was me. <laughs> um, but also the, the only thing I'd want to add is that Grandia two's come up pretty frequently and hasn't had a shot. On, on retro yet, despite being discussed a lot, and I'd like to see it have a shot, for my personal opinion. I think they've both come up quite a lot. Like Dragon Court has been on a few internal polls, certainly, and like almost every couple of months, I think Dragon Court comes up. Um, but yeah, like I say, I like Grandia too too much almost, and I haven't played it in like sixteen years, so <laughs> I want to see where I'm at now with it. 
I've we, never we played ha- either of the games, but I think that for me, from what I know about them, Grandia 2 is fairly beloved and Dragon Quarter is kind of infamous. Um, both of which are make it uh, both reasons why it should be on an episode of Retro Encounter. I'm detecting a little more interest in Grandia 2, but I think we should bring it to an official vote. Uh, starting with you, Alana, which one are you picking? Mm, I'm going to say Grandia 2. All right, now Hillary? Grandia 2. All right, just to keep things interesting, I'll vote for Dragon Quarter. Uh, so it's 2-1 Grandia 2. Uh, Jono, what's your vote? Grandia 2. All right, and uh, it, it's already decided, but Zach, make it official. Grandia 2. All right, Grandia 2 advances 4-1 to one for our first pick here. I'm, I'm updating our bracket. Mm. All right, so congratulations, Eva, and, uh, and condolences, Peter, for your games, making it or not making it. But we have, an, we have another matchup to discuss, and it's the first matchup with one of our panelists involved. Um, from the first game, chosen by Zach, is Drakengard for the PlayStation 2, and the second game, chosen by Caitlin Argyros, is Night in the Woods for multiple platforms. Uh, Drakengard is an early game from, uh, from the, you know, Yoko Taro, a retro encounter favorite, and Night in the Woods is a sort of adventure game inspired, uh, ga- uh, not, not really a visual novel, uh, starring anthropomorphic animals with a very specific vibe to it that I've been intrigued about ever since I first heard about this game at an E3 many years ago. So, uh, let's go. Opening thoughts on Drakengard and Night in the Woods. Zach, you go first. I actually think this is an interesting matchup um, because, like, I played, I don't know, maybe, like, half of Night in the Woods. It's really interesting. Um, I think that it has fantastic writing. I think that it is... Um, it's it, it captures a particular moment in time for a particular kind of person in a way that I'm not sure a video game ever has. And so I think that Night in the Woods is, in a lot of ways, brilliant. Um, I didn't not finish it out of disinterest. It was just like, I don't know, like... I think it was right around the time I got hired here, so I just had other things happening. Um, but Drakengard is by Yoko Taro, and therefore it gets my vote immediately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest here. I mean, like, the reason I have Drakengard on here is because like, I've never played it, um, and I really want to. And I know that Drakengard has its detractors in terms of battle system and stuff like that, but I know sort of where it goes, and I know it's technically, it's the prequel to Nier. <laughs> um, and if you're telling me something is kind of sort it in the near series that is going to get my vote every time <laughs> um and i've heard that it goes in same places and does really interesting things as long as you follow it all the way through um and i think that it would probably be really fascinating to talk about um maybe even more than night in the woods Night in the woods is interesting but it's interesting sort of on its face um whereas drakengard is interesting for lots of reasons because it's i don't know it's a yokotara game um and i think that that would be why that's that's why it's my choice because i really want to talk about it and technically, Dragon Guard might also be a prequel to Final Fantasy XIV, kind of, sort of. The way sort of is. Yeah, Dragon Guard yeah, three, maybe a little bit more, but yeah, fair, I, right? I, 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 same I, universe. Yeah, yeah, but this is only <laughs> I only know that from my uh, fairly deep knowledge of FF fourteen and much more limited knowledge of how the story of Dragon Guard ends and the story of Near Replicant is set up. But I'm, I'm I'm interested in both of these games. I own copies of both of them, and. For me, it comes down to, like, like uh, I'm not sure there's another game like Night in the Woods, which, you know, uh, uh, has just such really uh, celebrated dialogue and uh, a very peculiar and specific vibe that I think resonated with a lot of people. I I know that uh, uh, RPG fan, former staff member Rob Fenner, was a huge, huge fan of Night in the Woods. And, uh, And while I am interested in all things Yoko Taro, I... 
I'm almost more worried about playing Dragon Guard because it, it, it me- mechanically it's a uh, it is a dated and frustrating PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> so like I and I think I'm just more interested in playing a modern visual novel than a than a uh, a frustrating PS2 game. But so that's maybe teasing how I am thinking of voting. But uh, a lot of John or Hillary, what are our thoughts on Dragon Guard versus Night in the Woods? Uh, I did my research. I've, again, I have not played either of these games, but Night on the Woods has been on my uh, on my backlog for quite some time, and it's a game I've always wanted to play. Uh, so when I did my research, I looked at it, and I was like, okay, I feel like every single thing in this game I could really relate to, like going back to your small town and seeing how it's changed and seeing how the people there have changed. Uh, my takeaway from researching Grackengard was, wow, it seems like there's a lot of child death in this game. <laughs> A lot of kids seem to die in this thing. Mm. I don't think that a lot of kids die in Night in the Woods. I'm not sure. I think, but okay, I, I, I hope I'm not misrepresenting this, but I think one of the plot points in Night in the Woods is a group of kids hanging out that haven't seen each other in a while find a dead body, <laughs> like almost like Stand By Me-ish, and then have to... That sounds like a, that sounds like a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any other Stephen King stuff happens, but uh, it's... There is definitely, you know, children or teens or or young people um, going through some stuff in Night in the Woods, but I don't I don't know about child death or child murder. Uh, so, Alana, your thoughts on child murder? Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Good grief. Um. Well, yeah, I haven't. Again, I haven't played either of these games, and again, both of them have been on my radar for a while. Actually, no, that's a lie. I have played a bit of Dragon God a long, long time ago. Shouldn't have done. Was way too young. It went all over my head. Like, um. I'm obviously a big fan of Nier and like I'm almost morbidly curious like you know when you've got games that have got such a reputation for playing the way that they do and I want to see like now that people seem to get Yoko Taro a little bit more like I want to see how that kind of like folds into it I want to see how it folds into Nier a little better I want to see how his writing has developed I want to see how Kavia started off because I think this is their first game Kavia Studios um I, th- I think so too. I, th- I think they basically only made uh, the Dragon Dragoon, Dragon Guard games, and the first Nier, and not a whole lot else. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and yeah, but like Night in the Woods has been like right up there. Like you said, Rob Fenner really loved that game, and it's They're got 95. That, yeah, um, it's got that like you were saying like a vibe. That's exactly what I think of it. Like I know there are plot points about like imposter syndrome. There's lots of depression. The writing is really good in the same way that like Undertale's is, and that it's like really like relatably like it's very colloquial and relatable and very much like how i would talk maybe to my friends or something like that at the time and it's absolutely something i want to play but i'm 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 morbidly i'm so morbidly curious about dragon god and i've wanted to play them and beat them for a while and i I do not care how much suffering i have to go through (laughs) i've done it enough times for yoko toro i'm willing to do it again and again (laughs) I think Dragon Guard would be very, very interesting to discuss. So I'm a little bit torn. I think because it kind of has this infamous, infamous bleh, reputation and because it's the beginnings of a series that we all discuss a lot now, there's a lot to dig into there. But ultimately, I'm always pushing for the adventure games and the graphic novels and... Night in the Woods would be just—it would be such a good one. So I'd really like to see it on. I think it's time to vote, uh, Zach. Can I put you down for one for Dragon Guard? Can indeed. Okay, Alana, what's your vote? 
also Dragon Guard Two. Dragon Guard Two. Okay, that's a that's a surprise. Third <laughs> oh, hey, I knew that's you were going. As I said, it, I was like I seeing where the conversation was going. Right, right. Alana votes for it... Dragon Guard as well. Um, Why is it pick on me day today? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Alana. But uh, Jana, what's your vote? Night in the Woods. And Hillary, what's your vote? Let's go to Possum Springs. I want Night in the Woods. All right. So with a vote of three to two, Night in the Woods has it. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> so congratulations. <That's> Zach. <laughs> Congratu- apologies to Zach, and congratulations to Night in the Woods. I want to point out that this is your revenge. Your revenge is now over. <laughs> you know, yeah. This is maybe Yakuza a little bit. Zero revenge is at an end. Maybe a little bit uh, revenge for Yakuza Zero. Uh, either my favorite or second favorite game I played in 2020. I have to admit that the only reason I would want to play Dragon Guard is just I... With the minimal amount of research that I did, I cannot for the life of me figure out how that is a prequel to Nier. Oh. <laughs> One of the endings leads into um, the ending of uh, the beginning of Nier and sort of how, you know, uh, humanity begins to become wiped out. Um, in Nier, if you play both, I'm sure like, it becomes more obvious, but I've, I've read enough to sort of get a feel for how they work together. Hmm. Yeah, and, and also in, uh, we mentioned in Final Fantasy XIV, there's a connection to Nier... Uh, I should say a connection to Dragon Guard. Like, sort of the similar circumstances that start the near timeline happen in one of the uh, Final Fantasy fourteen raids. Uh, uh, trying yeah. to avoid spoilers, mm. but it, it's uh, it, it's really really cool. I am intrigued by Dragon Guard, but I, I just think if I were to sign up for a podcast episode in the next several months, I would be more interested in playing Night in the Woods than Dragon Guard uh, personally. Yeah. It, 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 for 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 non revenge reasons, I, I think that is just how I would go. <laughs> I don't know, what I'm, better way would you want to start your year off by paying Dragon Guard? I, know I can't think of a better way, but hey, you do you. Oh, wait a second. What's I... this? A new warrior has entered <laughs> the ring. <laughs> How are you doing, Mike Salvato? Am I in the actually, right place? You actually came in at the perfect time. <laughs> what? Indeed, indeed he did. Um, for Wait, uh, hang on a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm welcome, so well, welcome, Retro Encounter, to our first surprise guest of the evening, Mike Salvato. Uh, Mike... You are here to uh, speak your piece for uh, a new matchup in our little Retro Encounter tournament. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my god, I love this. I'm happy to do so. Awesome. <laughs> where, are we, where are we now? So, the, so the, where, where we are right now is that we are about to discuss uh, your selection for the podcast, Breath of Fire 3, versus Hillary's selection for the podcast, Broken oh, Age. I'm so god. excited. So, <laughs> so, so Mike, in, uh, in, in, in a couple, in a, over, uh, give us the two or three minutes spiel on why you like Breath of Fire 3 and why it would make a great Retro Encounter podcast episode. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, th- what I meant to do before I hopped on, I think, hasn't this been a, a potential topic for Retro Encounter since 20, what, 2018? Maybe it, earlier. It's been, <laughs> it's been floating around for so long and people have been trying to get it on and it never, it just never makes it through the poll. Like it never makes it to the top and like, hey, we're going to really do this. And I really think it should. Um, you know, when when I was younger, you know, my brother and I grew up with Super Nintendo games, and we played the first two games and those questionable translations. Um, you know, those translations played... get those get rough. I, I sometimes they, they Breath of Fire. I, I like Breath of Fire too, but it's incomprehensible sometimes. It is absolutely. I'm like, what is punctuation? We don't need that. Um, so I think we probably played two the most. 
but I think 3 definitely holds up and is a far better game. By the time they got that far in the series, like 3 and 4 are just, like, they're really solid games and they don't have quite as much uh, weirdness around them. But also, it's it's beautiful. It's, I think, one of the nicest, like, looking, for me anyway, one of the nicest 2D RPGs on the PS1. Um, I love the music. It has maybe one of my favorite fishing games if you're into fishing minigames and RPGs because they, they all they have them now. All of the Breath of Fire games have some intense fishing. It's They do, but I loved it in that one. And um, and then the dragon, the dragon gene system was a lot of fun to play around with and I'm sure if you follow a guide like now it's easy. It's like, well, I'm just going to use this for this fight, but like we didn't... I didn't ever do that back then. I was just like, it lets you experiment and say like, well, what happens if I do this and is this good for this situation? Like It was just a really, really interesting system. We we so. did play uh, Breath of Fire four for the podcast a few years ago. Alana, you were on those po- episodes with me, and I really really liked Breath of Fire four, um, especially like it, it being a game of sort of that very specific time and just the uh, the, uh, the 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 animations and the the style of it just really really appealed to me. Um, but it, uh, Breath of Fire three is up against another game I'm very interested in, uh, Broken Age, a uh, a classic adventure game from Double Fine that also helped kickstart the Kickstarter movement of sorts. It was one of the first fully uh, um, uh, crowdfunded successes. So, uh, uh, Hillary, give us the pitch on Broken Age. Yes, all right. So the pitch does start with that. There is a very interesting backstory, including a documentary, should you be very interested into it, about how Double Fine decided to you know, finance one more big kind of large-scale Tim Schafer adventure game, um, which I would say has a unique story compared to his other work, so it's it's worth checking out for that reason. You know, if you play it, it's not going to be the exact same story as something like Grim Fandango or a Monkey Island game. Uh, it's a really, a very real coming-of-age story, I would say, starring not one, but two pretty relatable, good, solid characters. Um, and... The art style is gorgeous and very unique. Um, that's if you look into the production process behind it. Like they really wanted to spotlight a certain artist, and that shows. And they came up with some amazing innovations to make the movement in it look beautiful and smooth, and the environments as well. Um, it's got great locations. You can look forward to some, you know, Tim Schafer level dialogue. I also I brought this up for Night in the Woods as well, but adventure games aren't exactly done as game journals quite as often as some others. Um, And I would also argue that it's pretty accessible for one of those types of games. Um, You're not going to be stuck forever, but I also don't think it's too easy. Also, I want to mention the amazing voice cast because there's some really fun cameos and the voice acting for the main characters is really good as well. All right. Well, thank you, Hillary. But uh, but um, but before we move on to the rest of the discussion, thank you, Mike Salvato, for joining us today, and also for allowing me to continue to run a podcast through RPG Fan. Uh, you are RPG Fan's editor in chief, and um, it, everything that you do for the website is very appreciated. Especially putting up with my uh, sometimes surly, sometimes difficult, but uh, that's been running the podcast for several years. Um, so uh, everyone, say goodbye and thank you to Mike. <laughs> Round of Mike. Applause. Bye, Mike. Thanks.
Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um, I am going to say a little bit, if you're going to praise me, then I have to also praise you back oh, so everyone it. else can hear it too, because I also <laughs> want to thank you for running the show for as many years as you have and being on the show even before you ran it. I mean, the fact that we're at episode 300 of the show is just amazing to me. So, and that's that's not 100% on you because we have a lot of guests, but like pretty much anyone is going to agree that it's mostly on you. You're the one that keeps this going. You make it happen every single week, and I can't thank you enough for that. So, thank you. Another round of applause. 80% on Mike. Yeah. yeah. Love seeing yeah. this. Right. Oh, yeah, for, from one mic to another, also, thank you, for... Mike. You're welcome. Also, right. thank, thanks for showing up and having an argument against my choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I'll be curious Yay. where the discussion goes because, like, one side has dragons and one side has Elijah Wood with brownies. So I don't know. Oh. It, that, that's really that's really hard choice. So wow. I'm gonna that's leave right. There's a, okay, okay. I just have to mention the adorable clip in the documentary where Elijah Wood first comes into the studio to record Broken Age, and he holds up a bag of homemade brownies and he's like, "I made brownies for everyone." Oh. Now where's the game? Yeah. He was like so excited to play this game. All right. Got to agree with Elijah Wood's taste, right? That's true. Yeah. I do okay. like dragons and brownies, but yes. Yeah. Bye, Mike. Bye, Bye Mike. Bye. Bye. Okay, Mike has departed the chat, so now we can uh, get on with the discussion without him knowing. Um, Hillary, I'm leading your way with this. I, I just, uh, you're right. This is a very JRPG flavored podcast. We could use uh, some more adventure games and visual novels. And I have yeah. been interested in, in Broken Age for a long time, so I'm leaning Broken Age, but we have not we have not really finished the discussion yet. Um, Alana Zakarjana, let's move on. Let's move on next. I have only played one of these two, and interestingly, having played it, makes me lean towards Broken Age. I, I, I played Breath of Fire three, and I played it, and I was like, eh, it's fine, um, it's good, it's not Breath of Fire two. I think Breath of Fire 2 has a better story. It just does. Um, I think, as um, incomprehensible as it is. <laughs> I understood it perfectly well as an 11-year-old child. So I, I, I can understand it as an 11-year-old. I think the story is comprehensible. Sometimes the dialogue isn't. The grammar's not. Yeah, yeah. okay. Mm. And I'm also a high school English teacher, so I'm very good at reading incomprehensible grammar. Oh, um, I bet you are, yeah. <laughs> To pick Broken Age, I think, is a more interesting... It's very it's very different from what we normally do on this podcast. And I think it's just it's just a more interesting choice, personally. I would also add that it has a cool sci-fi element and a cool, more whimsical fantasy element. So if you like both of those things, you can have both. Right, because the, the two protagonists and the two halves of the story are in different settings, but there is a connection between mm-hmm. them that would probably constitute story, story spoilers that I don't totally know, because I, yes. I have not played Broken Age. Although I have attempted yep, there to... there is a connection. Right, okay. So, but but oh, I have oh. attempted to play Breath of Fire 3 once or twice, uh, and it didn't, never got terribly far. But, um, uh, uh, Alana, what's your experience with these two games? Uh, yeah, similarly to I think most people, um, I've only played Breath of Fire 3 of these two, and I personally prefer Breath of Fire 4 as well. Um just again visually art style music um everything really um maybe apart from the story which feels a bit rushed and as you said i was on those two podcast episodes with you back at the end of 2017 beginning of 2018 um and i really i'm surprised because i haven't played broken age and i'm a big fan of double fine and tim schaefer um so i really love that 
I really love the style of their games. And weirdly enough, I also haven't played Psychonauts, which is on my list to do oh, this year, given that Psychonauts 2 is out this year. So. I, I think Psychonauts we- is the only Double Fine game I've actually finished. But I thought, I hmm. thought it was... Um, let's not make this a Psychonauts podcast. I thought it had some just amazing ideas and concepts, <laughs> but the execution wasn't always all there, just because yeah. sometimes the platforming's rough in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I've been long interested in Broken Age, especially given that like a lot of people who were in like really like um, adventure coverage um, have really pushed for it multiple times. Hillary, I think Caitlin's brought it up a few times, and mm-hmm. and I, I think Rob Fenner was another one who really liked it as well. So <laughs> like, I, I like it's a genre that I sort of semi grew up with because I grew up watching my brother play like Monkey Island and stuff like that. But like. It's always one I want to get back into, and every time I go back, I'm like, oh, I really like these games, but I never get on a run of them. So, like, I'm, I'm always ready to play another one. So, yeah, I, I'm also leaning towards Broken Age. I'm, I think I might have already detected the winner here, but, uh, Jono, let's have you pop off on these two before we put it to a vote. Yeah, Breath of Fire 3, it, I've tried playing it. I've gotten a little bit into it years and years ago, and it was it was fine, but it never really grabbed onto me. Broken Age, I find, I think it's a fascinating game for so many reasons. Like you said, uh, Hillary, it's the story of the game. Not the story of the game, the story of the game is remarkable. It set off uh, an entire chapter of gaming history using crowdfunding Mm -hmm. to fund the games. So that by itself is fascinating. I played it. I played it through beginning to end. I think that it is uh, a less than legendary game from a legendary team. I mean, Tim Schafer is obviously... For Peter McConnell did the it composed. He has created some of the greatest uh, adventure game soundtracks ever created. We talked about that on Rhythm a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the whole, I think that it it just didn't quite live up to its potential. That being said, I think it's a far more interesting title. I think there would be a much more interesting conversation to have on an episode of Retro. Is and that also a... it's an adventure game, so I would like to have more adventure games. <laughs> Okay, I'm not surprised by yes. that sentiment from you, Jono, but um, is, am, I, am, am I interpreting that as a vote for Broken Age? That is a hard... Yes, it's a definite vote for Broken Age. Uh, Hillary, can I assume that you're also voting for the game you submitted for the podcast? Yes. <laughs> as interesting as it would be for me to turn around and vote for Breath of Fire 3. <laughs> Don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> Mike's pitch was just too good. Broken Age. <laughs> All right, so that's already three for Broken Age. Uh, Alana, how are you going? I'm also going to go Broken Age. Broken Age wins in a 5-0 sweep over Breath of Fire 3. So despite all the nice things we were saying about Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mike. (laughs) With apologies to our editor-in-chief, Broken Age advances to the next round. And now we have one more matchup to go in the Northeastern Division before we uh, continue on, and... I mean, I, I live in the North American East Coast, so I'm. this is where my game makes an appearance. And uh, Hillary was able to defeat her boyfriend. Let's see if I can defeat my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> my, uh, yes. We have, uh, we have um, I've submitted for the podcast uh, Tales of Exilia for the PlayStation 3. And Marcos Gaspar has submitted for the podcast Atelier Fierce for the PlayStation 4. I don't know a lot about the modern Atelier games, but I did play Atelier Iris Eternal Mana for the PS2 and thought it was pretty good. So I've always been curious about the modern Atelier games, but don't know a lot about them because it seems it, it feels like there's tw- there's a dozen of them and I wouldn't really know where to begin. But I have heard from Marcos that Fierce 
is a good starting point and one of the best ones overall. So I am intrigued by that. But I'm more intrigued by Tales of Exilia, a game I've tried to sneak onto the podcast a couple times, but it's never it's never won one of our internal votes. Uh, it, it's a, uh, a Tales of game for the PlayStation 3. I think it came out in 2009 or 2010 or thereabouts. Um, maybe, About 2012. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, later than I thought. But I, I am really interested in it because it is the first Tales of game to have... Designs by uh, Inomata and Fujishima, where uh, every Tales game previously, uh, except for Legendia, which is its own weird thing, had character designs from always one or the other. Uh, Fujishima did Fantasia, Symphonia, Abyss, and Inomata did uh, Destiny, uh, Eternia, and um, uh, others I'm forgetting. But was, was Grace's an Inomata game? Uh, Grace is winning Inamata. Um, right, Eternia was also Fujishima. Oh, it um, was? It, you, I... They usually alternated. So, yeah, it was Destiny, uh, Destiny 2. It, it's, it's a weird thing. Maybe it was a mix of both. But I, um... I, I, thought, I thought maybe Rebirth was Fujishima. But I'm, I'm not, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing up my Tales timeline. But, but, but the point is it used to always be one or the other. But for Zillia, they united the Tales teams and had three of the main characters from Inamata and three from Fujishima. And I, I was really intrigued by that. And I played the first six or seven hours of Tales of Exilia, but the friend I was playing with... Uh, entirely co-op ended up moving away, and uh, we and I, I dropped the playthrough after that. So I specifically want to revive my playthrough for the podcast if this game advances. So, what are our thoughts on Tales of Exilia versus Atelier Fearis? Um, anyone who wants to take the floor? Oh, uh, yeah, I'll go because um, I've beaten Tales of Exilia, and I haven't played Fearis. I've actually I have played a few of the modern Atelier games, but I kind of stopped the series before this because they come in like trios don't they like the irish trio the irish trio are very 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 different from most of the modern ones like there's a much more of a bent on alchemy and crafting now than there ever was it was definitely 50 50 like traditional rpg slash like run a shop and make potions and stuff it's more complicated than that it's been a long time since i've played iris um me too I, um, i played that thing at least 10 years ago Atelier Fearis, as much as I've heard it's pretty good, is one of the games that I very distinctly remember Derek Hemsbergen reviewing and hating. Like, he would, it was one of those ones where, like, he, um, this was one of the ones where, like, they essentially stopped, like, the English voiceovers and things like that. They kind of made them quicker releases over in the West, so they were Japanese voiceovers. The voice acting was kind of exaggerated. And, like, the, the, I, I think I'm glad because more of the modern ones, like, the more recent ones, like, the last couple, seem to have really picked back up. And, like, Fearis is, like, I don't know. Like, I've always been worried about the Mysterious Trilogy. I, this, like, I think they pick up on the third game, maybe? Because Fearis, I believe, is the second game in the Mysterious Trilogy. So. I think you're right. I'm not sure. Like, I do want to give them a go because, like, the music in these games is lovely and, like, Gust has always mm-hmm. got a really nice, pleasant aesthetic and I kind of like sometimes playing, like, chill games like this and I feel like the Atelier games fits this, but uh, Tales is, like, maybe my favourite RPG series ever. I am a bit of a defender of Exilia. I think it's a lot better than most people think it is. Um, it's definitely got a rough end act, as 95% of Tales games do. Um mm-hmm. But there are particular characters in that game that I really, really like. And I think the combat for being a TP-based combat, because there are two different combat systems that the series right. uses, and now they've kind of like merged away and gone away with TP now. Um, yeah, so it's sort of it, the, 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 the TP-based combat or the sort of chain combo combat. 
Yeah, right. right. Yeah, this one's TP. Um, it's actually one of the be the Tales games that's probably better played on your own because, like, the link system's good, um, but you can't really you can't link to your friend, so you limit who you can link to in combat. Um, right, right. But I think it works good with two players, but probably yeah. much much worse with three or four. Because oh god, yeah, because yeah, when oh, I was playing boy. with my, when I was playing with my friend, each of us had our point character, our main character, and then we got to link to one of the support characters. So it basically lets you play like a super-powered version of a Tails character. But uh, it, but the Link system would not work with more than two players. But um, I, I was genuinely enjoying Tales of Exilia, and I think we had just met the sixth and final party member around when we stopped playing. Leia. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it, I, know, the, I know what you yeah, got to, yeah. Right, the girl with the staff? Right, okay. Yeah. But I, I was genuinely enjoying it until I stopped. So it's, a, it, it's not for a personal lack of preference that I haven't finished this game, but I, I'd love yeah, to play it for the podcast. It's hard, because like, we haven't had a Tales game since Vesperia on the podcast, so that'll be nearly three years by the time we probably play this game. And like, But the thing is, is we've never had an Atelier game. Atelier. So like, yeah, so. that's, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's really tough for me, because I'd like to see an Atelier game on show a lot, but between, I was going to bring up that same, same review, um, <laughs> and just hearing so many good things about Ryza and Ryza 2 recently, mm -hmm. and also going back to our feature, suggesting that there are some other really good entry points for Retro to maybe do. I just, for my part personally, I think maybe Fierce isn't the right Atelier game to start with. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at all of the reviews of Atelier games that we've had on the website. In total, there's about 24 or 25. A full half of them were written by Derek Heemsbergen. Uh, and, and it's, yeah. uh, so he knows he knows Atelier. Yeah, yeah. He, and um, Furious is, I think, tied for his lowest score he's ever given. It's a yeah. real low score. Yeah, but uh, it is. Yeah, and, 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 and there are not twenty-five uh, Atelier games listeners. Um, uh, s several of the games were uh, multiple reviews for one game, um, but it, it's, I think it's twenty-four reviews total, with thirteen of them from Derek or something, something like that. Hmm. I mean, for the record. Uh, Gave this a 65, but Exilia, Derek gave a 89. Wow. That's high. That's mm. higher than I would give it, personally. Yeah, D Derek might be mentioned later in this podcast as well. We'll see. <laughs> mm. um, personally, I watched... I have not played a Tales game since Fantasia. Uh, I've always wanted to. This seems like it would be a really interesting way to get into it. I think it. I looked at a lot of footage online. I gotta say, the real heroes of the RPG world are the people who make 30-minute to 45-minute retrospectives on YouTube. My <laughs> God, these people are hardworking. They provide a wonderful, wonderful service to us all. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe we should give Greg a call and see if uh, he, we can work out some of those for our website. Hmm? Oh. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Um, mm. That's not a bad idea at all, actually. But I think Exilia looks really, really cool. I think the battle system looks awesome. I love the graphic style. I think it looks amazing for a PS3 game. I uh, have absolutely no interest in playing Atelier games. I don't know. I've I've watched some stuff on them. I've heard about them. I have just I've read uh, I've read Pat's uh, Pat wrote a feature about one of our do you, so you want to start. Uh, features about Atelier games. I have no interest in playing them. So yeah, that's I, I know exactly where I'm voting. And Zach, w what are your thoughts on Exilia versus Furious? I hate crafting in games. Oh, um, well, there it is. So, <laughs> and I also like combat. So that's pretty much the beginning and end of the way I'm going to vote here. I've been wanting to play. 
I've only played two Tales of games. I've played Fantasia and I've played Berseria. So the beginning and end of the... the yeah, that those are the, literally the bookends of the series. Yeah, and uh, Berseria, I think, is underrated, actually, um, as a video game. And I... there's It's not even... It, this is, like, the easiest vote I've had so far. Like, I, I'm voting Exilia 100%. I have no interest in Atelier at all. So, okay. well, yeah. We... <laughs> I mean, if there's a game, if a, one series with sort of its signature action combat versus one series with its signature crafting elements, even though there is some cooking and crafting in in the, in the Tales series, uh, that's one vote for Exilia, and I'll make it two votes for Exilia. It's uh, perhaps obviously I, it's the game I'm supporting in this matchup, the one that I put up for the podcast. Uh, Alana, what's your vote? Yeah, one vote to Exilia. I'm sorry, Marcos. Uh, Hillary, what's your vote? Yeah, sorry again, Marcos, but I'm gonna have to vote for Exilia too. And say, I guess I'm not going to be playing Potion Craft with Zach. <laughs> Very curious decision, Hillary, because we're talking about Tales of Exilia 1, not, not Exilia oh, 2. That's the one with the cabinet. Hey. Come on. <laughs> come on. Ha, ha, ha. I know. I, but I, I, you opened the door and I walked through it. I had to. But, uh, uh, Jono, what's your vote here? With respect to your husband, I'm also going to go for Exilia. Uh, Exilia makes it through 5-0 Marcos is happily married to his wife I should say uh, which is slightly disappointing to me except for the fact that I only wish Marcos happiness (laughs) the Northeastern Division is complete now we move on to our very special division with uh, RPG fan staff living in the United Kingdom or Canada so our first matchup of of this new division is Alana's pick Skies of Arcadia versus Rob Fenner's pick Moon. Uh, Skies of Arcadia is a Dreamcast RPG that was later ported to the GameCube and is a very uh, much a fan favorite and on this podcast. Uh, fantastic turn-based combat, my favorite uh, world map of all time. While Moon was a PlayStation uh, game for a long time, limited only to Japan, but I believe was had its uh, first official release. Was it in late 2020 or, or early 2021? It was about September, October 2020, yeah. Okay, right. I, again, um, I don't understand this passage of time anymore. And that game is famously <laughs> subversive and, uh, twi- and and deliberate with its twisting around of JRPG tropes. It was a, a bit of an indie darling and sort of secret, uh, this game is only in Japan kind of RPGs for many, many years until it had a, very, it had a surprising release last year. So, Alana, please sell us on Skies of Arcadia. Do I need to? Like, there's, been, there's 299 <laughs> episodes of this podcast. I'm sure you can go and listen to something. Uh, but, yeah, Skies of Arcadia is my favorite video game of all time. But, like, and I know previously it's been, like, a bit of a joke. Like, we've said, like, oh, we'll get a remaster, I'll get a re-release, and we'll play it immediately. And it's always been promised. And, you know, we're, we're nearly 21 years into it being around, and we still don't have that. And, like, I, I know for a right. fact... Right, that's, that that's, that's maddening, too, because I... I, I <laughs> yeah. It would be my easiest purchase of all time if it got oh, yeah. uh, if it got a remaster any time in the next I don't know three years. If it was a three thousand dollar special edition, I would not think twice about buying it. Like put it that way. Um, but like, I, I know there are enough people who have it who want to play it. I want to talk about it all the time. I really want to talk about it on this podcast. There are so many fun discussions we can have. There are problems with it that I would love to hear fleshed out, especially nowadays within the passage of time. And I really love it. But this matchup is so frustrating to me because like, if there is another game on this list that I would pick or would love to see, it's Moon. And Moon is subversive, but it's also maybe the biggest inspiration for Undertale. Like The idea is that you are following the hero around 
and you are bringing back the people or the enemies or the animals they killed you're bringing them back to life so it's not it's like an anti-rpg essentially i think that's what they call it it's moon and anti yeah yeah so it's like it's such a unique and interesting premise that that alone makes me want to play it and like there's a lot of chatter about the localization which was done by tim rogers formerly of kotaku now of action button um so it's it's something oh like, tim I rogers guess... I, I could do a, a podcast episode on that guy he, <laughs> me too he, he he's an interesting cat and is ge- and is generally uh, a positive influence but as a writer he can be really frustrating he can. Like, I find him really fascinating, actually. I, I really enjoy reading it if it can be very difficult and verbose at times. And, and, like... and he's been a champion of a lot of Japan-only games for uh, for many, many years. Like, for, for decades, in fact. He's been writing at yeah. least since the late 90s. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the most frustrating matchup for me because I'm like, Rob Fenner, I love you, but, like... I love Skies of Arcadia so much! There's not really much else in the world I love more than it, so, you know... Yeah, this is the hardest one I've seen. The rest of them, I knew exactly what I was voting for. This is the first one where I've been like, The Skies of Arcadia, I've completely missed. I did not have a Dreamcast. I did not have a... A GameCube. Yeah, and it's one of the only Nintendo consoles I've never had. It's just so interesting, and there's so much history. And also, I've heard Alana rave about it on every podcast she's ever been on. And I really, really, really want to play it. On the other hand, I think Moon would be such a fascinating discussion on an episode of Random, uh, talking about it as an anti-RPG. And ta- I think it could really spur a lot of interesting conversations about RPG archetypes and mechanics and things like that and how this game deconstructs them. Uh, I think that would be a fascinating discussion. So I'm going to listen to every- what everyone else has to say and then make up my mind, as both of these games, I think, are very worthy of uh, retro episodes. I- I mean, I think the reality is, and this is, I love you, Slosi, but like the reality is, like if there is a game that defines Retro Encounter in terms of conversation, Skies of Arcadia. I mean, like I don't know. I, I'm guessing that Lana's been on the second most episodes of the show instead of you, and Skies of Arcadia is the conversation that comes up the most frequently. Um, and, and you know, when I'm thinking about like what people are going to be interested in listening to, and I think that Moon is a game that like as soon as it came out, like I've ri- I've written like a bunch of things for RPG fan in terms of like oh, I'm really excited this game is coming to America, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and like it is a game that I am very interested in playing. But Skies of Arcadia is the most discussed game on this show, and I feel like if we have the opportunity, play it it's a game we should play and it's the game that I would vote for without a doubt as much as again I, I agree with both Jono and Alana like I feel like Moon is a game that I think would be great for this the show and we should bring up again but Skies of Arcadia Skies of Arcadia that's gonna get my vote 10 out of 10 times yeah I mean this is an extremely extremely difficult matchup for me as well because I'm a Skies of Arcadia fan I played it on Dreamcast I have the Way of Records vinyl of the soundtrack sitting near me right now. Oh, is, is, really, is that, really the, one, that, is that the one where the, where the record is bright blue? Yeah, it's got that kind of like blue sky right. uh, cloud effect. Blue road yeah. color, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It is ridiculous that we haven't played it for retro yet. Um, I'm going to be honest. But I'd also really, really, really like to see Moon on the show. I think that would be amazing. I think it hasn't been talked about enough since it came out. Um and it probably still should be. I think for me it comes down to... Because I think both probably might eventually get covered. I think for me it comes down to 
what do I want to see first, potentially? Mm-hmm. And it has so, happened. It has yeah. happened probably a dozen times where a game uh, for one of our uh, memorial episodes uh, doesn't win, but then gets done for the podcast six months later anyway. That that has happened uh, a, a very large number of times, in fact. So uh, again, even if one of these games loses the vote, I could see either of them being a great retro encounter episode. I, I, uh, with apologies to Alana, I think for technical reasons, I'm leaning towards voting Moon because my copy of Skies of Arcadia is literally on loan to a member of, of RPG fan staff who is not on this podcast. I, I would have to find a way to play it, um, maybe through emulation, if I were to if we were to record an episode on it. So uh, I, I think I think we're ready to vote. Even though I I adore Skies of Arcadia, I have not played Moon and I'm very uh, intrigued by it. And and would and would not mind buying the new re-release for uh, um, j- to record the podcast. So I will make one vote for Moon. And Alana, can I assume you are one vote for Skies of Arcadia? You can. All right, S- Zach, how are you voting? Skies of Arcadia. And Hillary, what's your vote? I think I'm going to make things interesting. And as much as I'd like to see both, thinking also about like the technical aspects and which I'd like to play, I think I might also vote Moon. All right, Jono, you are the decider. Skies of Arcadia versus Moon. What is your vote? It's funny because remember how I said I was going to listen to the arguments on both sides and then decide, and then everyone made a good argument for both games? <laughs> um, okay, I'm still 50 50 on both of them, but I got to say, Alana's passion about Skies of Arcadia has won me Yay. over. Yay! Yeah. All it, right. It's just you're. You are so, you are so, your enthusiasm for Skies of Arcadia is so infectious that I can't help but vote for it. <laughs> and don't worry, I suspect, like, I mean, who, it'll probably be released in like a year or two on Switch anyway, right? I really hope so. Um, I do want to see Moon on the podcast, so don't worry, I will like, I'll banner for it at some point, because yeah, they saw this matchup today and was like, oh good, now I have to do this. Like... <laughs> <laughs> And it doesn't retro doesn't retro have a bit of a reputation if once you do an episode like a remake or a remaster is announced like a month and a half later. Yeah, that has happened. Oh, yeah, at we least should, we once. should do this tomorrow then. That's the real reason why we should do Skies of Arcadia because if we don't, yes, there'll never be a remake announced. Someone at, someone at Sega is listening to this podcast right now, and please, Plus, they gave it the okay. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we need to do what we can. <laughs> Of Arcadia. Now that makes me wondering if I should go back and change my vote, if that'll help somehow. Because I, 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 there is there is no <laughs> game I want to get a modern remaster more than Skies of Arcadia, tr- truthfully. But uh, even though I didn't quite vote its way this time, Skies of Arcadia moves on and has entered our Essential Eight. So the next matchup that we have is... Uh, one game that I would not mind seeing remade, and another game that is probably going to get remade at least three times in the next ten years. Um, from Leona McCallum, we have Jade Cocoon 2, a very interesting monster recruiting game for the PlayStation 2. And from Steph Sabidlo, we have The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, our winner of our favorite Zelda uh, game episode from three years ago. Probably one of the most popular and successful Switch games. Uh, our second, our second, <laughs> our second, <laughs> our second special guest has joined the episode. Hello! Oh my 
my goodness, my favorite people. So I'm so excited to hear you. <laughs> so excited. Leona. I'm definitely voting Jake Akun too. It's no question. <laughs> so, yeah. You're not supposed to spoil the surprise. What could I possibly be here for? <laughs> Leona, thank you for joining us for episode 300 of Retro Encounter. Um, we are doing a tournament for about uh, held between 16 games. Um, that were event. That's one of which is eventually going to be an, an episode of Retro Encounter, and we have brought you on to sell us on Jade Cocoon Two, one uh, a game that I know is one of your favorites of all time. So tell us a little sure bit is. about Jade Cocoon Two and why it would be a great episode. Okay, well my game's gonna win anyway, so I'll, we can go into it more on the podcast when it happens. But basically, <laughs> it's a monster collecting game. It's a sequel to Jade Cocoon 1, which had some really great vibes, some really great aesthetics and music and atmosphere. But this one is a lot more fun. It's got a really cool battle system where the monsters you place are like on a ring around you and you spin the ring to like different elements. So there's an earth element one where your earth monsters go in there. It's like defensive monsters and the fire one, which is your offensive. Then you have the wind one, which is like status effects and stuff. And then you have your your water one, which is your healing your healing monsters. And you sort of like spin the wheel according to what you need tactically at the moment. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really tactical. It's really cool. The monster designs are fabulous. The characters, I think, are the best part. It's, it's very gameplay heavy. So it's like it's got story and lore and it's all very great. But... The, the world that you go into to find these monsters is also good. So it's like, okay, so the protagonist from Jade Cocoon 1, Levant, it's 100 years in the future. At the end of Jade Cocoon 1, he becomes the savior and is now immortal, essentially. Uh, so it's 100 years later, and he has set up a, a temple of the beast hunters, and their job is to go hunt Kalma, which are like corrupted monsters, demons monsters. And so we're you come into the game as this fresh-faced wannabe beast hunter, and you, you can travel into four, the four elemental forests. And each forest has a different set of characters, and you follow their story as you go deeper into the forest. And this is the best part of the game. Like, beyond the gameplay, which is really fun, and the monster breeding, which is great. I love monster collecting games. Is the characters in each of the forests. So in the fire forest, you meet Nam and Wu. So Wu is uh, uh, an old guy whose town had been destroyed by these demons, and Nam is like uh, his sort of like your rival of the game. Uh, he's kind of like antagonistic towards you, and it is. And the more you go into the forest, you find out more of the world and the lore of the series. The water forest is probably my favorite. That's where you meet Cure. So in, the, in this game, the monsters are called divine beasts. And she's like a water divine beast, or and people keep trying to hunt her and kill her for sport. The Earth Forest has the Sweet Knights, which are a play on the Spice Girls. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> oh, wow. So each of the Sweet Knights is named after a specific spice. So there's cinnamon, <laughs> there's uh, vanilla, uh, there's cocoa. Which sure, why not? We'll count that. So it's this cross between the sort of Spice Girls and like a. A G- Japanese idol group. That's what they are, and they're all they're all they're all beast hunters. If you had said Super Sentai instead of Japanese idol group, <laughs> I would have I would have ended the discussion right there and moved on to the next matchup. <laughs> and their story is really interesting. Their story is always it kind of dives into like idol culture and sort of like in this world what that means. 
and the sort of group dynamics like they're all outwardly friends but like in private they all have their own like issues going on and the wind forest is dr gil and yamu who is a little yamu is a little pinecone man <laughs> and dr gil has discovered him and he is uh, yamu is like a a version of the the god of the world essentially so it's like a, a descendant or but they've eventually so descendant that they're basically useless. Like the the, the all usefulness has been sapped. And the wind forest is where you get most of the like the lore of the of the world and the the universe that this takes part in. And it's really good. And it's really really good. You can sort of recruit monsters to your party in each of the forests, and then, and uh, please correct me if I'm off here. Mm-hmm. Sort of combine the monsters or cro- or mm-hmm. fuse the monsters to create more powerful ones. And it's mm-hmm. and in general, there's four parallel storylines, but by sort of going through each forest and maybe changing forests when you're at a certain mm-hmm. level is will will benefit your party and you're leveling the most. It, it's a really fascinating structure, and all four mm-hmm. of those stories sound pretty good. I mean, like I mean, each one of them sounds mm-hmm. like its own JRPG. Yeah, they've each got their own little, definitely like a hook to them, and they're all so different that it doesn't seem samey at all. So it's it's really good, and the reason why you're going through this these forests in the first place because when you go your do your test to become a beast hunter the main character kahu gets corrupted by one of these demons that now is inside him and it grows a tail and it will kill him and take him over his body if he does not get the four like uh, gems at the bottom of each forest so that's that's kind of the the plot of the game it's, it's a very simple plot but like the characters make it I, I definitely think the characters are the best part and also it's actually really challenging sometimes. Like the like the the you fight obviously other beast hunters and sort of like Pokemon esque battles, but we're using this battle system. But usually they're the hardest part and they all use very different tactics. They really like use the battle system to its fullest and each each player definitely like has their own tactics for you to use and it's really interesting. You can also really go your own style when you're using so you can make you can become like a wind focused player and you can focus on status effects and switch to like the fire ring when you've really worn them down to nothing so you can really like make, play it how you want to it, it sounds fascinating and i should mention i already have a copy of this game because if, if there are two games that uh people on the podcast have convinced me to go out of my way to find out of out of uh, passion and enthusiasm, then uh, Jade Cocoon Two is in a tie with uh, Marcos Gaspar's favorite um, Steambot Chronicles. Uh, uh, two Ooh, yes. two PS2 games that I knew nothing about before j- joining RPG Fan, and then went out of my way to find copies of. So I would love nothing mm-hmm. more than to pop that uh, <laughs> that copy of Jade Cocoon Two into my PS2. Um, so, th- so it has my vote, but uh, but Leona, thank you so much for joining us for episode three hundred, selling us on Jade Cocoon two, and it-, it has been lovely getting to know you over the past few <laughs> years, and also watching your um, let's say uh, your streaming career blossom, but also your game development career, because because uh, <laughs> like over the course over the course of getting to know you, you have you've developed your own Discord and streaming community, and mm-hmm. w- started working on your own video game, and all of those things are amazing. We love and appreciate you, Leona. Oh, yes. Thank you, Leona. You You're are the best. best. You're all the best. Oh, I love you all so much. You're need amazing. Come, <laughs> I need to come see you. It's not fair. How do we live in the same country and I haven't met you I yet? I know. It's ridiculous. Doesn't your country have four <laughs> countries in it? 
Yes, it does. I don't want to. We're not going to get into the technicalities. We're well aware I'm from the bad place. Don't worry. <laughs> break off soon, Alana. Break off soon. <laughs> okay, I'll leave you all to your podcast. I love you all so much. Please vote for the my game. game. Love you, Leona. Don't you worry. Bye. Bye, Leona. Yeah, All right. Um, uh, with apologies to did Steph. Did anyone tell her that it's going against Breath of the Wild? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you did, but I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I've already made my stance clear. Uh, I love Breath of the Wild. I love a lot of Zelda games. Breath of the Wild is one of my favorites. But I mean, I don't know if I want to start a new copy from scratch on that thing. I, I have a folder with a, a folder. I have a save file with, I don't know, something like eighty-eight of the uh, of the shrines found. And I, I would be much more willing to revisit that and just try to find more shrines than start from scratch and talk about it on the podcast. Solosi, for God's sake, you only need like six and a half minutes. You just need a shield. You just need to jump <laughs> off the top of the church, reflect off the uh, moblin at the bottom, and fly off to the castle. That's all you need to do. It'll take you like ten minutes to beat the game, right? Technically, yes. But technically, <laughs> I don't have the dexterity to get anywhere near there. <laughs> Okay, so first of all, I've already been made stance on this clear on previous episodes, <laughs> um, but also, like, how do you talk about Breath of the Wild? I, the story is, like, fine. Like, I don't know. And, like, there isn't much of one. And also, like, the truth is, like, anybody who knows they want to play Breath of the Wild, they already played Breath of the Wild. I mean, like, there isn't a lot of t- to talk about Breath of the Wild. Whereas Jade Cocoon 2, first of all, like, I agree with everything you said, Solosi. Like, Leona is, first of all, a lovely human, and also is a person who has convinced me over and over and over again, this is a game I need to play. It's a game that needs more coverage. It's a game that needs more conversation. Like, nobody needs to talk about Breath of the Wild 2 anymore. Like, I'm on record as saying, like, I think Breath of the Wild 2 is kind of boring. Um, And I know not everybody agrees with me on this, and please don't attack me. I I know Jono is, like, looking at me. I can see you, even though I can't. Um, (laughs) Don't you just love um, echoing dissonant piano music, though? Like, I have words that I can't say in a PG-13 podcast, but they start with an F. The reality Whenever Zach is like... talks about a Yakuza game, I start hearing like the piano music behind of the Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just think that Jake Kuhn 2 is like way more interesting to talk about. People need to know about this game, and I love Leona, and I'm it's gonna be very hard for me to vote against one of Leona's game games. I might in this bracket, but um I, my vote is Jade Cocoon 2, so, so, but, 10 so out of 10. You, no you, might vote, you might vote against Jade Cocoon 2 eventually, but not this round. <laughs> not this round, no. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Jono, what's your thoughts on this matchup? Okay, well, Jade Cocoon 2, admittedly, it's a, it's a really fascinating-sounding game. It looks really cool, and that was a remarkably uh, a passionate pitch for it. But whenever someone mentions Breath of the Wild, I just smile. Um, I love this game. I disagree with most of what Zach just said. Um, I don't think that... I agree the idea that it's not... There's not a ton of story there, but story's not the point of Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is about exploration, about climbing a mountain. It's about feeling things. And I can't think of a game that made me feel more things than Breath of the Wild without any need for dialogue or even character interaction. It was just the combination of the music and the world and... I think it's a. I think it's the best Zelda game ever made, and I am actually a 2D Zelda fan, uh, more so than the 3D games. But it just it absolutely floored me how much I adored this game. 
And I think there is a lot that we can talk about with Breath of the Wild. I think that Breath of the Wild can affect people in very, very different ways, depending on when they played it, who they are. Um, frankly, I mean, back hearing you talk about Breath of the Wild is fascinating to me because it's almost like you played a completely different game than I did. And I think that would make for a fascinating conversation on a Retro Encounter episode. I, um, I would not be on that episode, but yes, I understand. I guess I know, I know you would not. Yeah, it, I know you would not, do, but... I feel like if we did an episode on Breath of the Wild, it wouldn't be about the story and the text of the game. It would be about the emergent um, qualities of the game. Like, like what happens mm-hmm. to you? And like, like the, yeah. the story that you create for yourself and the situations you found yourself in that probably weren't attached yeah. to like a, a very specific plot moment. Yeah, it'd be a hard game to split into two, though, really, wouldn't it? Considering you can do any of the mm-hmm. divine beasts in any order, and you can do anything in any order. But like, like to to point out like things like similarly to Jono, like well, actually not really, but like this is my favorite game as well. Uh, even though I let it die on the essential ten as well, so you know what? Just have a grudge against me and Zach. It's all good. Um, but like <laughs> I. I love this game to pieces, and for similar reasons you're saying, Jono, like, I think, like, I, I just love going out into, like, this and Xenoblade are two games that I say that, like, open worlds, they kind of clicked for me finally. It's those two games that maybe go, okay, I can just do this thing, I can walk around, I can do whatever I want, I can pick up items, I can fight enemies, I can do this, I can do that, I can just soak in the atmosphere and everything. That's great, and I love that, and I love the creativity of Breath of the Wild, and I think it would make a really fascinating discussion. However, I love, I, and I love Steph to pieces, and I, lo- I love Leona to pieces, and Jake Coon too, I think, is like, we haven't really done a monster collecting game. Uh, not since Pokemon, um, yeah, way geez. back in 2016. That was um, early 2016 oh goodness, right. also. It was, it was, bef- it was before I started, uh, I started editing the podcast, I think. How have we not done one with the more recent resurgence of Monster Hunter? Yeah, that's surprising. Well, okay, we have done yeah. two. We have done two Monster Hunter episodes, but this is a, this is a different kind of monster hunting and recruiting. Um, and we and, 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 didn't right, do Monster right. Hunter stories. Yeah, yes, true. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and we also did two episodes yeah. on Dragon Quest V. But um, but this is but Jade Cocoon Two is very very specific about it in the way that Monster Hunter and Dragon Quest V are not. Yeah, I'd right. Like, I'd like to see. Like, I guess I shouldn't be lumping them into the same category. No, it's it was just kind of. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. You weren't doing that at all. Um, but like, yeah, I just think I'm interested in Jade Cocoon Two because it's such a small. Um, I, I think Breath of the Wild wouldn't be my next Zelda choice for a game journal. I'd be really interested in hearing about it. Um, but certainly I think, like, Jake Coon 2 is, like, even though, like, we've just kind of booted off Moon because of Skies of Arcadia, like, another game that I associate with the podcast is, like, every time Leona's on, she talks about Jake Coon 2, and it's, like, <laughs> every time she talks about it, I'm like, I, I, think, I think I need to try it. I think I need to get it. So that's where my heart lies, even though I love Breath of the Wild. It's a little difficult because I think there are some reasons I'd really be interested um, in a Breath of the Wild podcast, and it is it is sort of interesting that we haven't covered it yet. And at the same time, I'm also kind of going, "Wow, it's old enough! It's like it's been a while since it came out, and we haven't covered it." Um, but it it also sounds like JT Kuntu would make a really really interesting game journal. My one concern about it would be people able to find it and play it. It, it wasn't that hard for me to find. I uh, I just searched the website of my local used game store, and they had a copy available okay. for like twenty five bucks or something. 
it's out there. And we look at reviews for Jade Cocoon 2, mainstream outlets gave it sort of above average reviews, like 75 to 85 range. Then when you look at the user right. reviews, they're like all 10s out of 10. Like the people that find mm. in, in Jade Cocoon 2 and connect with it really like it. So, which I, I think is anecdotally matches uh, the conversations that I've had with Leona about it. Right. I was just wondering about it because I haven't, it's one I haven't seen around a lot here, but I also haven't intentionally been seeking it out yet. I, I had not so. heard of it prior to okay, meeting Leona. Mm -hmm. I have yeah. seen it in the wild. I haven't purchased it, but it wasn't like it wasn't like Shadow Hearts or Xenosaga Three expensive. Right, that way. <laughs> oh okay, God, yeah. <laughs> Xenosaga Three is is maybe the one oh, game boy. missing from my PS2 collection that is too prohibitively expensive now because I, I have yeah. a bunch of don't, uncommon don't do PS2 it. games. It's not worth it. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to wait for a, a digital release of that series. That may not happen. But uh, okay, we're not talking about Xenosaga anything. Uh, we're talking about Jade Cocoon Two versus Breath of the Wild, and it's time to vote. Um, I've made my stance clear before. I'm voting for Jade Cocoon 2. Uh, Jono, what's your vote? Uh, I am going to vote for Breath of the Wild. Zach, what is your vote? Jade Cocoon 2. Now, Alana, what is your vote? Jade Cocoon 2. All right. Hillary, uh, what is your vote to give us a final five? I think I'm going to vote for Jade Cocoon 2 as well. Oh, my gosh. All right. Jade Cocoon 2 beat Breath of the Wild. I'm so excited. <laughs> Now, we are not out of the forest yet for Jade Cocoon 2. That's because hey, Leona, I love you so much, but now we're competing. I feel like I should have voted the other way. Well, we'll, we'll see, because um, Skies of Arcadia versus Jade Cocoon 2 will happen later in this podcast. But it's time to move to our final division, uh, and it is comprised entirely of current or former podcast hosts. This is the Random Encounter division. And for our Ooh. first matchup, we have... Jonathan Logan's selection, Final Fantasy Dimensions, which is a mobile-only Final Fantasy game that was released in separate chapters, but is now, uh, but now you can find in a total package quite easily. It, it was released in the early 2010s. Uh, up against a choice from Derek Heemsbergen, Shining Force, which was a uh, very early strategy JRPG for the Sega Genesis. And, and the Shining series continues with increasingly questionable games <laughs> going through the 2010s. <laughs> but the original Shining Force, uh, I should say the early Shining Force games, are definitely fan favorites. So, Jono, please go into Final Fantasy Dimensions for us a little bit. Final Fantasy Dimensions is a game that not that many people actually know about. They've heard about it, of course, because, you know, it kind of exists out there, but they, they've never played it. They've never really gotten into it because many people just don't really play RPGs on a mobile device. Uh, when it came out, I, I I heard about it, and I downloaded it, and I really, really enjoyed it. It's almost like... It, um, it's a pitch-perfect uh, SNES-era Final Fantasy homage. Yeah, it, at times, it almost borderline looks like a ROM hack of Final Fantasy V. There are elements from every single 2D Final Fantasy game in it. It's absolutely packed with Easter eggs. Um, it almost feels a little bit like Bravely Default in, in what they were trying to do. But while Bravely Default moved the Final Fantasy, uh, like the SNES-era Final Fantasy framework forward, Final Fantasy Dimensions just lives in it. It's just like getting in a... Getting in a, a warm tub of Final Fantasy 2D goodness. I will admit there are a few issues with it. I decided to play it again before we went on this podcast. Uh, Square Enix has not updated the damn game, so there's no keyboard or controller support, which means that you're stuck with the on-screen controls. And they also haven't updated the resolution, so it's on the same size of screen as, like, 
the original iPad, so it's not like full screen. You play it on a modern uh, day iPad. That being said, it's still fully playable. It's on Android devices as well. I think that it is a game that is well worth discussing. It does at times feel so close to a SNES Final Fantasy game. Um, I don't necessarily think it reaches those heights, but I do think that when it succeeds, it really succeeds, and it does make you feel a lot like you were playing those old games again. The strikes against it, of course, are that it is, you know, mobile only, and that does limit it to uh, for some people. I guess the really big strike against it is it pioneered the graphic style that eventually Final Fantasy V and VI stole for their iOS remakes, which are uh, quite rightly uh, hated. But seeing as this game is not a remake of anything, I don't think I can hold its graphic style against it, because it does look good. It looks like a 2D Final Fantasy game. But yeah, that's I, I think it's a I think it's a solid game that doesn't get a whole lot of respect or notice, and it should get more, which is why I wanted to put it on the list. Yeah, when I was doing research on this, because it's a game that I had seen pop up on, like, say, news stories when it was being released, but but don't know very well. Uh, it, it looks like Final Fantasy V. It's um, it, it's it has that sort of NES and SNES uh, Final Fantasy characters on one side, enemies at the other side kind of view. But uh, it also has a job system clearly inspired by FF3 and FF5, and I think with every new chapter when they were releasing it piecemeal, added jobs to un- um, un- Unlocked, which would have been a, a motivating factor for me because I love a JRPG job system. Um, yeah, and what's really cool about it too is that you get to try the jobs before you actually, with every chapter you get a guest character, and that guest character is the class that you will eventually unlock at the end of that chapter. Oh, that's cool. So but that's you've... pulled from Final Fantasy uh, II. But uh, for me, this is, you know, choosing between a game that I'm interested in but would be hesitant to play because I don't own a uh, a tablet and I I don't love playing RPGs on my on my phone versus a game that I've always sort of wanted to try and I do have on my Genesis Mini, which is a de- uh, a device that I love. Um, I I don't have any Shining series experience, but I think Shining Force One up for the Genesis would be a good starting point, and it's it's very beloved. So I'm just from out of curiosity. I haven't decided yet, but I'm leaning Shining Force. Uh, who who else has thoughts on this matchup? Uh, I yeah, I, this is really hard because like uh, these are maybe the two games I know the least about, which is um, probably not surprising because one's an SRPG and one is a mobile game. Um, but looking at like Final Fantasy Dimensions, there seems to be like a couple of unique jobs there that I don't see used very often. Um, I do agree. I think like the art style works for this because it's not taking something that we already know and like essentially like destroying or distorting our memory of it and i think it's interesting because like i don't know a ton about it and for a final fantasy game it's kind of surprising to me like even things like wings or tactics it's like i know enough about that i would be able to get through a conversation with um i'd be interested to see how we could talk about it and discuss maybe job compositions and things like that and then my heart kind of pulls at me because like i'm one of the sega people on the site and shining force is one of those games and i have said i have played one shining game which was resonance refrain which was completely different to this it was an action rpg was that the one that we that we demoed at e3 we did demo at e3 it's also extremely boring and extremely bland and extremely (laughs) the most japanese rpg japanese rpg you can think of like really really, budget tales yeah it felt like imitation tales to me when i was budget tales yeah um Shining Force 1 is very different, um, like, obviously, because it's years and years before, and it was a completely different genre. Um, 
and it, it, it was yeah. Sega's it was Sega's answer to Fire Emblem was sort of my interpretation yeah. of it that's pretty much how I interpret it as well so yeah we don't give Sega a lot of love on this podcast so there's also that to consider so yeah this is what I'm really struggling with I, I think this is a tough one but I wouldn't agree with a lot of what Alana said, but I, I think that really what it boils down to for me is like Final Fantasy Dimensions is a game that is built, and I haven't played it, but from what I've read and like Derek's review, which was like relatively positive, I gave um, it an eighty. As a game that is built on pure nostalgia, and and I guess based on that, like there's a lot to talk about. Like I guess like one of the things that I'm thinking about throughout this whole podcast is like, what is a game that gives us something to discuss? And sure, like we could talk about dimension story is like in a, entirely driven by final fantasies one through six and like things that happened in final fantasies one through six. But to me, like shining force, like as an early SRPG, and it gives you more to discuss in a more interesting way. Like what is it about shining force that drove the genre forward in different ways? And, you know, I, I, I've never played either of these, but like, I, I'm, I'm interested in playing Shining Force, and I'm not really interested in playing Final Fantasy Dimensions as much as, like, I've never played a Shining game, and I've played almost every mainline Final Fantasy game. I'm more interested in playing something that is, like, driving the genre rather than something that is just, like, stealing from earlier games in the genre, personally. I think it could be potentially really interesting to see a retro panel react to something that's essentially what sounds like a, a good homage to those early Final Fantasies and something that gets sort of those nostalgic qualities right. Because a topic that comes up a lot is just the sheer number of games that try to do that and do that with varying degrees of success. I think that aspect is really interesting. Thinking about it in terms of what I'd like to see on retro potentially, I would love to see us branch out and do more SRPGs, more kind of sub-genre categories. So I'm a little bit torn as well. Well, we are all a little torn, except for maybe Jono, but uh, I think it is time oh, to... Oh, actually, that's, that's not quite true. No? I gotta admit, what? like, when you paired... <laughs> When you compared my when you paired my game against Shining Force, yeah, I figured I was supposed to defend my game and explain why I think it's worthy on the list. I have played all of Shining Force, and I played Shining Force Two. They're two oh. of the uh, only RPGs that I've actually played for the Sega Genesis, and I like both of them. I think they are solid examples of SRPGs. Um, I think Shining Force One is not the best example of the series. I think I, I think two is a far superior game. I hear that Shining Force CD is incredible. Yeah, mm. people um, people love the trilogy on the Saturn, but I think only part one of the trilogy uh, was released worldwide. It's uh, not the trilogy. I mean, Shining Force uh, Sega CD. Oh. Sega CD has a uh, yeah, yeah, an yeah. actual as a direct sequel to uh, Shining Force One. Oh, I see. Yeah, um, I, I know so little about the series that I, <laughs> I I skipped one. Yeah, I'm a fan. I think there. I think it's a very very good game. I think it's a really interesting matchup because it is an example of a game that's from the period versus a game that is emulating from the period. Um, and as such, I'm obviously I'm still in favor of my uh, game because I would like to see more mobile RPGs on here. But I understand why people would vote for Shining Force because it's a solid part of uh, Sega Genesis RPG history of, I'm sorry, Alana, of which there is not a ton. Yeah. And it was a bit <laughs> of a life raft 
for a lot of RPG fans for the uh, the Mega Drive and and uh, Genesis. So I totally understand why people would vote for it. Yeah, I've only played one Sega Genesis RPG, and you can hear about my experience doing so on yes. some 2020 episodes of this podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a good time. Yes, the Genesis was the, the Mega Drive was all we had for most RPGs. Like we didn't get most Final Fantasy games or any of them. So. That's actually really funny because it's the complete opposite in uh, North America. Yeah, no. It was like you want to play a su- you want to play RPGs. You a Super Nintendo. Yeah, I know. But we are not talking about the Super Nintendo. We have to talk about mobile devices and the Sega Genesis. Uh, it's time to vote on this matchup. Um, uh, Jono, can I put you down for Final Fantasy Dimensions? You absolutely can. All right, Zach, what is your vote? Shining Force. Now, Alana, what is your vote? I'm going to go Shining Force, but I also agree that I think we need to cover more mobile RPGs. In the like, as a general note, like there seems to be this kind of stigma against them. And like, I played Dragon Quest Four on my mobile, and it was good. So you know, more mobile RPGs, but yeah, Shining Force. All right, Hillary, uh, where are you leaning? Similarly to Alana, I'm going to say Shining Force because I'd like to see it, but also that we do have look. There are several good opportunities for mobile games, and we should cover more of them all right i'll I'll make it four then for shining force uh with apologies to you jano um shining force and not final fantasy dimensions moves on absolutely no apologies necessary i completely understand i saw that matchup i was like this is actually this is a this is a good head-to-head absolutely yeah i I, like i i it wasn't really on my radar as something to play until i was um soliciting games for the podcast and you and you brought forth final fantasy dimensions i'm I'm like final fantasy dimensions that that rings a bell but i don't i i don't i don't know this game you know i I did some research on all of the games that were in the matchup uh in all of the matchups um because i haven't i haven't played all of these uh before recording and dimensions like I was interested in it, but I think ultimately I'm more interested in Shining Force. It's on that Genesis Mini that I have, and I had a lot of fun playing Fantasy Star Four last year for the podcast. This would be almost a sequel to that in my in my mind. Oh, I totally agree. And frankly speaking, if Final Fantasy Dimensions had controller support, or if it was released on the Switch, I would feel very differently, and I'd be pushing it pretty hard. But I mean, it's not. It's a mobile. It's a mobile game from like five six years ago, and the control scheme frankly sucks i don't like playing it on my screen but shining force is a solid game it's a piece of gaming history and i think it's something that should be talked about on the show well anyway we do have one last matchup to talk about on the show and for that i brought in our third and final special guest uh (laughs) hey rob can you hear me I feel like I've been summoned out of the ether to come here and talk about something. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That is nah. exactly what it is. Uh, our final matchup. Suddenly, Steinen is here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about right. I mean, you just you just get a bunch of Miyazaki games, form a pentagram, do a blood sacrifice, and here I am. <laughs> for our final matchup in this round for this podcast, we are putting up a Miyazaki game versus a Matsuno game. So uh, two RPG auteurs of different eras, you could say. Um, but Rob, when I was asking about games for the podcast, you immediately suggested Demon's Souls, and so I would love for you to give us a bit of a uh, sales pitch on why Demon's Souls would make a great podcast episode, uh, in your own words. What what Matsuno game am I up against? I just want to see if oh, I even have a chance. Did here. I even say so? Okay, yeah. The other Matsu- the other game is uh, was suggested by Greg Delmage. We're in the Random Encounter division after all, and it is Ogre Battle: March of the Black Queen for the Super Nintendo. 
Okay, I've got a shot. Okay, here we go. Um, I, I think I'll just I, I think I'll just start by acknowledging kind of the elephant in the room, which is uh, a lot of times when people start talking about the Souls games, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, it can get very hyperbolic. Uh, the fan community can be a little toxic, and people can be very uh, unwelcoming when it comes to those games. And uh, Demon Souls is very important to me, uh, not only because it was the first game in that kind of series that I ever played. I remember watching videos for it uh, on YouTube. I I played it when I was in grad school on my PS3. It's also the game that I wrote my first uh, sample piece for RPG fan that led to me working on the site for the better part of a decade. Oh, well, that that would have been 2009 or 2010 then, right? Yep, yep. Uh, I started in 2010, uh, just as I was wrapping up grad school. So, um, you know, I, I think that when we say that we might talk about Demon Souls, I, I think it's very easy for people who kind of are on the outside looking into this series of games to kind of roll their eyes. And I totally get that. I absolutely get it. Uh, but I think that this is kind of an interesting game to talk about right now. It, it's uh, the start of a very uh, successful franchise of games or a series of games that are very similar in design. We have another one of these coming out in January, Elden Ring. I'm assuming everybody on the website heard me squeal when we finally got to see gameplay of it. <laughs> um, and now we have... It looks a so re- good. <laughs> it looks so damn good. Um, and now we have a really amazing way for people to play a game that was very hard to play in Demon Souls. It was only released physically on the PS3. Uh, the online community is completely dead because the server are turned off and that ps5 remake is really really good mike i know you're you're plugging away at it a little bit i think peter is also plugging uh, away I, I know at peter's it. playing it i um i did buy it because i found it on sale uh somewhat recently but i i'm working on playing other games for the podcast right now unfortunately <laughs> that is very fair uh, Un- unsurprisingly been, yeah P- peter has been complaining to me quite a bit because there are some rough spots uh but i think demon souls is a very good entry point uh replaying this game several times on the ps5 in the in the past few months has shown me that it is a fantastic entry point for uh new potential players i think it's a lot friendlier than the other games it has some some rough yeah. spots but not nearly the equivalent of dark souls uh so yeah i think it would be a very interesting game to talk about it's probably if, if I, at the risk of being hyperbolic after saying that people can be hyperbolic about these games, it's probably one of the most influential games of the past decade. Like when it comes to asynchronous multiplayer, when it comes to the indie game movement, Demon Souls is kind of the start of all that. And so I, I just think it would be an amazing game to talk about. And we can also talk about it in a vein of helping new players. And, and I do mean that. I, that's not meant to sound condescending. I've really enjoyed talking to Peter through it and been like, yeah, if you go to this one area and you get this ring it's going to make your life a lot easier and he's like oh i gotta check that out there's always a counter with demon souls and i think that's what'll make it a really fun game to talk about is what i might find difficult mike you might find really easy or what alanda alana finds difficult she might think that another part is really easy so like it's a very interesting game to talk about and i just think we would have a ball with it on the podcast Awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. I, I knew that when I was try- when we were sort of designing this episode, I, I, th- I figured you would probably suggest a Souls game, and, uh, and, and with Demon Souls having that recent PS5 release and it being an ideal entry to the, uh, to the Soulsborne world, I, uh, I, I was not surprised with your choice uh, for, for the podcast. But- I, I am 
if not predictable. Yeah, but um, mm-hmm. but but separate from Demon Souls, uh, Rob, you really are one of my inspirations for um, both joining RPG Fan and for working oh, on this awesome. podcast. Because I, I was a I was a random encounter listener before I joined the website in 2014. And uh, and part of my motivation to join the website was, oh, maybe I can get on the red episode of Random Encounter someday. And now I am 300 episodes into a podcast that I've been running for quite some time and has become a big part of my life. And uh, and also, Rob, I just miss seeing you because I, I, I miss we, you too. We, we've we've hung out in person a couple times, and the pandemic and everything else has made that much harder. And I hope sometime I can visit you uh, in in central Pennsylvania before too long. I would very much enjoy that. We're we're closer to eastern Pennsylvania, not central. Oh, my, but that, my that, bad. That's, no, that's totally fair. My, my grasp uh, of Pennsylvania very... geography is not is not the best. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, want to see you again at some point, Mike. I really appreciate the kind words and. Good lord, three hundred some episodes of this thing. You, you lapped me pretty bad at this point. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't remember when, but uh, sometime in the past six or seven months, re- Retro Encounter passed uh, Random and Rhythm combined in terms of episode count. It's not about quantity, <laughs> but uh, sometimes I don't mind mentioning quantity. <laughs> but... that, that's fair. That's fair. So yeah, uh, definitely vote for Demon Souls, people, but you can't go wrong with Tactics Ogre. I, I wouldn't be upset about that, too. No, it's, it's, not tactic, it's not Tactics Ogre, it's Ogre Battle. Oh, it's, oh, screw that game. Then. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm being nice here. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, Rob. And uh, I, I hope, hopefully I will be able to see uh, you and Jackie and your menagerie of animals before too long. Yes, all the animals. Toby misses you and so does Dixie. Uh, oh, Dixie. Dixie is a very, very sweet cat that slept in my bed with me when I visited you at, at your at your home. Um, so, that's, yeah, I, I miss all of them. Aw, thank you. Well, y'all take care now. Bye, Rob. Bye. See you later. Bye. All right, so I've got to mention something, like, right off the bat, actually. Um, I also picked this game um, (laughs) and then switched to Broken Age just to have – because we needed a different choice. Yeah, yeah. I I had sent out messages to a lot of people at once. And and Rob confirmed Demon Souls before uh, Hillary messaged me back. So that that, that is how that, that is why you had to switch yep. to Broken Age. <laughs> Given so... the enthusiasm, I wouldn't have been surprised if he confirmed Demon Souls before you asked him. <laughs> <laughs> You're just writing the question. He's like Demon Souls. I'm still here, you know. <laughs> I just wanted to see if everyone was like, oh, God, not that guy again with Demon Souls. Always with the Never. Always with the you got, I also voted for it. Okay. So, Rob, in all seriousness, I did, want you, I did want to thank you for stepping in to writing the review uh, for Demon Souls a couple yeah. months ago. That was, it was a terrific review, and uh, thank you for doing it. I very, I very much enjoyed doing it. Thank you. It, it felt like I came full circle when I did that. <laughs> like it was just like, okay, the first thing I wrote about, and now I'm writing about it again. Okay, so uh, somebody just, oh, wow. somebody just tell Mike that you know if you need a review for Elden Ring, just you know, I, I think just, there's, just put the... I, I think there's going to be a Done. different sort of battle royale <laughs> that occurs when we get the code for that. Unfortunately, okay, that's yeah, fair. That's true. Just throw up the bat signal if you need me. All right, now I'm really going to leave. Talk to you all later. <laughs> Bye, Rob. Bye. Later. Bye. Bye. So, yeah, that was our third and final special guest of the episode. Um, uh, sorry for surprising you with, the, with these special guests, everyone. I, uh, I, I thought it, it was would, delightful. I thought it would be a fun, a fun yeah. surprise for episode 300. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But, but we do have one more, match to, uh, excuse me, one more matchup to discuss in this round. Demon Souls versus Ogre Battle for the SNES. 
And um, Ogre Battle for the SNES is a game that I've started many times, and I think I've beaten the first chapter of it before. It's, it's a really curious balance of um, real-time strategy and turn-based uh, uh, traditional RPG, where you manipulate units on the field mm-hmm. and like it, it's sort of managing multiple parties at once. And there's a uh, tarot card-based system of stat development and a lot of player choice yes. and where the story goes. It, it, it's a really, really interesting game. And you can sort of tell that it was... Uh, like it was Matsuno and his team sort of finding their voice along alongside Tactics Ogre for the same system. Um, both developed mm-hmm. before they joined Square. I, I don't know. Like for me, re- what's more interesting to me, revisiting um, the Ogre Saga or trying a uh, earnestly trying a Soulsborne game for the first time? Uh, that's a decision I don't want to make this moment. So, uh, what are everyone else's thoughts on the matchup? Um, I, I have played, I don't know, I, my story is similar to yours, Ogre Battle. Like I have, like, this is the Ogre Battle game that I've played the most. Like, obviously I podcast about Tactics Ogre, I don't know, sometime recently on, or, on Retro. Um, and it is a fun-ish RTS, but like, I, I agree with most of what Steinman just said about Demon Souls. Like I have never even like gotten to the first boss of a Soulsborne game because I am bad at video games but um it it feels significant to me in the ways in which it has influenced the genre um and and i'm not saying ogre battle isn't but rts's before and the most significant elements of the ogre series to me are tactics ogre um and so to me like demon souls is is a better choice yeah, I was literally just going to say, like, how have we not done a Soulsborne game? Like, how? It's, like, maybe the biggest, one of the biggest RPG series going around now. Like, you know, Elden Ring is, like, probably most, a lot of people's most anticipated game. Mm-hmm. I haven't played any of the Ogre series, neither Tactics or Ogre Battle or any of them. And it's very, it, you know, it, despite having just voted for Shining Force, it's a very popular joke on this show that I do not like strategy RPGs. For the record, yeah, 50-50. Um, but, like, I, I'm i just kind of shocked that we still haven't done, like, any of the Soulsborne series games, the FromSoft stuff. And, yeah, like, if it, I, I, was almost, I was surprised that it wasn't Bloodborne or Dark Souls 1, because Dark Souls 1's available on everything. And I think PS5 availability is getting there. But at least if you've got a PS3, then you'll just have to get around the offline capabilities but like i think there can be some really fascinating discussions about like how lore is tied because demon soul like the the soulsborne games don't really they have stories but they're very much told in a very different way through item descriptions through quests through everything else through Mm -hmm. atmosphere and i find that really interesting um again i've not really played much of any of them apart from a bit of bloodborne and i've seen someone play part of dark souls one and three but yeah, I, I find them really fascinating games for discussion, and I think that would be where my my vote would go is because just yeah, I'm 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 fascinated by Soulsborne. I just haven't made the jump yet, so I'm interested to see what people think and hear discussions about it. You know, remarkably, I do have uh, legal copies of both of these games, but the way I the way I can play Ogre Battle is slightly unusual. It was released for the Wii Shop. Um, it was something like uh, 10, 12 years ago, and I uh, and 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 that's how I got it. So it, it, if Ogre Battle wins and I and I join that podcast, I'll have to plug in my Wii for the first time in three or four years and fire up the uh, 
what was the Wii's oh. emulation system called? Uh, oh God! Virtual console. Know. Virtual console. console. That's it. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, my virtual console copy of Ogre Battle for this. That, that, that's where it would go. But uh, uh, Jana, where where would you go for this matchup? It's interesting. I I loved Ogre Battle when I was a kid. I never owned it, but I do remember renting it from Abercrombie Video a ton of times. Uh, and I was small and OG uh, random encounter I... joke Abercrombie video <laughs> wasn't even meant as a wasn't even meant as a joke I genuinely did <laughs> um, uh, yes that that was the that is a small town video store in New Glasgow Nova Scotia um, but yeah I, I remember renting it like a lot when I was a kid and I remember my mind being blown by the voice samples in it and fight it out and things <laughs> like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I I don't think I got very far in it because considering my age, I it was way too complicated for me. I don't even it was so complicated that I don't even think I understood the complexity of it. Um, so that is something that I would love to revisit as an adult, and I haven't yet. That being said, I've been looking for a reason to play a Souls game for a long time now, and playing it for Retro Encounter would be a fantastic. So it would real it would make me play the whole thing. It would be the whole game. I yeah. So I'm leaning towards Demon Souls just because it sounds such it sounds so interesting. The idea of the way it tells a story is fascinating to me and sounds right up my alley. So yeah, it sounds like that's where I'm leaning. I only have a little bit to add, but oh, this, is, this is tough for me because I have a pretty strong attachment to both of these games. Jono, I rented Ogre Battle a ton of times and actually recently started replaying it for similar reasons. Like I don't even think I fully understood there's kind of like an aligned system where your units have like certain loyalty and based on that loyalty level they do different things and then there's a day night system there are a lot of like very interesting touches that I've been wanting to revisit and I am now for that one so I think it could be a good discussion but I also picked Demon Souls and that's also a very important game to me and I think it is a like a more accessible Souls game, and it's a good way of doing a, a Soulsborne game without kind of stepping right into the middle of the whole series. So I'm torn, but I think since I was going to pick it originally, I'm leaning Demon Souls. <laughs> Well, I, I think I can read the temperature of the room and know what's going to win, but we have to put it to an official vote. Uh, Alana, what's your pick? Demon Souls. Zach, what's your pick? Demon Souls. Jono, what's your pick? Demon Souls. Hillary, what's your pick? Demon Souls. And that makes it a 5-0 and clean sweep for Demon's Souls. Uh, thank you, Greg, for uh, submitting ogre battle for the snes for the podcast uh like jano that's a game i rented from a video store uh many years ago but i was definitely 12 and didn't understand it um and and it was it was an errol's video in springfield virginia by the way but uh it, it will not have its chance on retro encounter yet so that means with uh our third special guest and our eighth matchup we are finished with the stylish 16 and moving on to the essential eight these are games that we've already discussed in detail, so hopefully this won't go quite as long as the, as the previous round. But uh, we got to start from the top again. The, who will be the Midwestern Division champion? Grandia 2 or Night in the Woods? 
thoughts this on is the, where things start getting tough. Yeah, thoughts yeah. on the matchup, but let, let, let's try to be brief because I would love this episode to be under three hours long. Um, I, I'll start. <laughs> uh, I, 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 this is entirely for for me wanting to repeat fewer games and and play more new experiences now that my uh, my time management is uh, more important to me later in life. I'm leaning Night in the Woods because I haven't played that game but want to, while Grandia 2 is a game I really like but have already played. Yeah. I'm feeling you a bit. I feel like Grandia 2 will get a chance anyway, again. Like, it, it kind of has to, doesn't it? Because it's so many people's favorite. But, like, yeah. I, I mean, I've wanted to play Night in the Woods for a while, and that's sort of where I'm leaning to. Adventure games represent Night in the Woods for me. Yeah, Hillary and Zach, you were on the Grandia 1 episodes um, a year or two ago. Again, the passage, I don't understand time anymore. Uh, so what, what's more interesting to you, playing the sequel or playing Night in the Woods? For me, um, I, I want to further my adventure game agenda. I, I have a special place in my heart for both Grandia games. Um, but I want to promote more diversity, and I think as long as we don't keep saying, oh, Grandia 2 will, you know, we will play it eventually. I, we'll have a game journal on it, I'm fairly confident. I I agree with Hillary and everybody else, um, but I guess, like, in terms of my way of thinking about this episode and in general, like, I am, I have much more interest in playing through Grandia 2, and I think that people listening would have a lot more interest in Grandia 2, like, based on just, like, I don't know, traffic numbers and all, like, social media and all, all other kinds of things. I just think that Night in the Woods is interesting in its own way as a thing, but Grandia 2 is a better game, and having experienced both recently enough, and that, so that would be, like, the way that I would be thinking and voting at this point. All right, I think we need to make the vote official. Uh, uh, Zach, you're, are you one for Grandia 2? I am, yes. Alana, what's your vote? I'm going to go Night in the Woods, selfishly. Jono, what's your vote? Night in the Woods. Hillary, what's your vote? Night in the Woods. I'll also t- go for Night in the Woods, making it a 4-1 to one winner and our first entry in the fan favorite four. And now we got to find the second entry, the winner of the Northeastern Division. That is Hillary's pick, Broken Age, versus my pick, Tales of Exilia. So I think, oh I, I think the vote is already <laughs> the vote is already starting one to one for reasons that are totally yeah. fair. But we well, let's we need to figure out the rest of the vote. Uh, uh, Jono, what's your thought on Broken Age versus Tales of Exilia? It's funny. Both of these games were sweeps in the previous category, five zero. Um. I'm going to, I, again, I want to promote more adventure games on the show, and in general, uh, Broken Age is, I think, not the best example, but I think it's possibly one of the most interesting examples. I think there's a lot to talk about. As with Zillia, it looks like a very, very good RPG that I would be interested to play, but I'd be much more interested to talk about Broken Age. I'm going to go Broken Age. All right, yeah, we, we can vote while we discuss. I don't, I don't mind this at all. Um, Alana, your thoughts on the matchup and, your, and then your vote at the end. God, um, I feel like having just voted for an adventure game, I want to go the other way. Um, and because we haven't had a Tales game for a while, and I'd like to have a bit of a chance to maybe stick up for Exilia for a little bit. Um, because, I don't think it's the best game in the series. Like, I think it's like I used to love it, and I don't love it. I used to, but I certainly think that it gets 
a bit more of an unfair rap, but also I'm known to have controversial Tales opinions, so, hey, let's make everyone angry, I'll vote Tales of Exilia, let's do it, go on. You, you know, uh, Alana, maybe I'm misremembering this, but I think, like, shortly after I met you, or in maybe one of our early discussions, um, you, you told me that you loved Tales and that Exilia was your favorite, so... Am, it am I, am used I... to be, okay, yeah, so, so it in, did. In... Okay, so in something like 2015 or 2016, Exilia was your favorite. I'm, I'm not misremembering that? Yes, but like a lot of replaying of a lot of the series early on, it's considerably shifted. It's like fifth or sixth now. Like, oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, it's a massive shift because, to be honest, Exilia 2 ruined a lot. And um, we can discuss that when, if and when we play it eventually. But my vote goes for Exilia because I think it's an interesting point in the series' history. It's a... 15th or 20th or 10th anniversary game? It's, I think it's the 15th anniversary game, so yeah, it's just uh, an interesting spot. Yeah, 9697 to 11-12 uh, to would, would, would fit, I think. So, fit, yeah, yeah, 15th anniversary. Yeah. Um, that sounds right, uh, and I think that would make um, uh, Tales of Arise the 25th anniversary game. Am I, is that right? Pretty much. It's, yeah. it's within the, the calendar year, so yes. Cool. Very so, uh, I think that makes it 2-2 right now. So, Zach, please give us your mm -hmm. thoughts on the matchup and then your deciding vote. I think this is an interesting matchup. In terms of um, adventure games, Broken Age would be high on the list, but I I want to play more Tales games, and Zilly is my choice. All right. Uh, I'm sorry, Hillary, but also not that sorry because sorry, this was sorry. <laughs> this was <laughs> yeah because this was the game I put up for the podcast. Tales of Exilia is the winner of the Northeastern Division. And now let's go to our uh, to our cross continental Atlantic Ocean division, whatever you want to call it, where we have Alana's pick, Skies of Arcadia, versus Leona's pick, Jade Cocoon Two. Uh, two of our two of our favorite women of Retro Encounter pitted against each other unfairly. Uh, Very unfairly. Yes. <laughs> okay, Alana, I'm going to assume you're going to vote for Skies of Arcadia. I will do. As much as I love Leona, I I I really 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 want to do a podcast on skies of arcadia i cannot wait any longer i'm afraid i'll i'll be a uh, uh a contrasting vote then i have a copy of jade cocoon 2 i would love an excuse to play it and my co my remaining copy of skies of arcadia is on loan so uh, for access reasons and even because i love skies of arcadia and i'm so in uh, intrigued by jade cocoon 2 i'm going the other way and choosing jade cocoon 2 um hillary what are your thoughts on this matchup um, for me, it actually comes down to, I think, having played one and not having played the other and knowing that it's accessible, I think I'm going to have to go take Cocoon 2 as well. Interesting. So, uh, Zach, what is your thoughts and your vote? As much as I love Leona, I've listened to this podcast for a long time. And as I said, <laughs> Skies of Arcadia is the signature game that we have not played it's time to play Skies of Arcadia. Skies of Arcadia is my choice. Really? Ahead of Beyond the Beyond for the PS1, our signature game for the podcast. I mean, I considered <laughs> nominating that, I'm going to be honest with you, <laughs> just for you, or Kingdom Hearts 2, or any oh. Kingdom Hearts game. Oh. Kingdom Hearts 2 oh, would no. have a shot here, but no, I'm voting Skies of Arcadia for sure, no doubt. So it is all tied up. If you don't mind my saying, the Essential 8 round has been a little bit more exciting than the Styler 16 round in terms of uh, close votes. So, Jono, it comes down to your decider. Skies of Arcadia or Jade Cocoon 2, your thoughts and your vote? I mean, I think Jade Cocoon 2 sounds like an interesting game. I think Skies of Arcadia has been on my backlog list forever. And 
also Alana's, uh, again, her enthusiasm and passion. The Leonis, not that Leonis did not have a tremendous amount of enthusiasm and passion for Jade Cocoon too, but uh, Alana's is just winning me over. I'm going to go for Skies of Arcadia. Yay. Skies of Arcadia Yay. sneaks through with a 3-2 to two victory over Jade Cocoon 2. Uh, apologies to Leona. Leona, we love you, but the numbers didn't shake out for you this time. I'm sorry, Leona. But now we have one more vote before we can move on to the fan favorite four. Uh, this is Shining Force, uh, chosen by Derek Heemsbergen, versus Demon Souls, chosen by Rob Steinman, two former uh, showrunners of Random Encounter. Oh boy, and and two of my favorite people uh, that have um, since left RPG fans. So I I'm, I cannot show favoritism to either man. Uh, and I, I, I will wait to talk about my thoughts on these two games. Uh, who, who, who wants to um, put the pitch first? I mean, playing Shining Force again would be interesting, seeing it through eyes 20 years later. That being said, I've wanted to play a Souls game for a while. I feel like Demon's Souls is going to slaughter Shining Force, and my vote is for Demon's Souls. Uh, you know, I... I want to see us get on the Soulsborne train a little bit more. I just do. I think more of us could do with playing them, so I'm going to vote for Demon's Souls. I'll, I'll go next. Um, I'm really intrigued by both of these games. These are these are uh, two that I think I, I, I want to play both of them soon, like in the next 12 months, so I would love to podcast about either of them, but uh, getting into Shining Force versus getting into Soulsborn, I think I'm a little more excited to get into Soulsborn. So I, I, my vote is for Demon Souls, m- making it already the winner, but I want to hear you talk about it anyway, Zach and Alana. This is tough. I mean, like in terms of like games that I would actually want to play, Shining Force is the answer because Soulsborn games are too hard for me. <laughs> um, but I would still vote for Demon Souls because I just think that it's... We've talked about this at length, and everybody knows that we are very... And I know that Demon's Souls is a JRPG, but like it doesn't it doesn't feel like the kind of JRPGs that we usually play or talk about. Um, but Demon's Souls is my vote, nonetheless. All right, Alana, is this, is this going to be a sweep for Demon's Souls, or are you going to bring a, a dissenting vote to Shining Force? No, it's going to be a sweep. Yeah, I think there's so much you can have about conversation, about um, accessibility, about lore, about like how story is presented about genre and about all sorts of things so yeah i I think shining force again will be something that comes up because we've had people email in and ask us for shining force three you know we have yeah yeah so i think it will absolutely come up but i think it's time a soulsborne game was introduced into the roster so he slaughtered absolutely slaughtered uh, yeah, right, I'm so sorry, that... Derek. You're one of my favorite humans in the world. I I love both Derek and Rob, so I, I I'm not choosing mm-hmm. between the people. I was just choosing between the games, um, and games that I have access to both of them. So that wasn't the issue either. But Demon Souls wins the final matchup of the Essential Eight, five to nothing, giving us giving us a fan favorite four of Night in the Woods, Tales of Exilia, Skies of Arcadia, and Demon's Souls. Those are four different, uh, almost four entirely different genres. I, I mean, uh, uh, Tales of Exilia mm-hmm. and Demon's Souls are both action RPGs, but they're really two different kinds of action RPGs. Every, and and yeah. Night, Night, Night in the Woods is a, a narrative game with adventure game elements, and uh, Skies of Arcadia is a traditional turn-based JRPG. I am fascinated to see which game ends up winning this contest, but listeners, maybe you already predicted this. 
or maybe you already see a link to a vote. But we're not ending that this episode with choosing one of those four games. The fan favorite four will be subjected to a fan vote over the next few weeks. Night in the Woods, Tales of Exilia, Skies of Arcadia, Demon's Souls. One of those will be a future retro encounter game, probably with this episode's airing in December of this year or January of next year. But we are not choosing them now. There will be a vote, the, a link on the RPG fan uh, page for this, and also the um, the description for this podcast. And we will also share it on social media multiple times over the next oh I don't know probably ten days or two weeks around that around that ballpark. And after um, the time period concludes, we will oh, declare a winner. But it will be one of those four games. Before we get into the housekeeping and ending the episode. Uh, uh, Alana, Zach, Jono, Hillary, thank you so much for joining us on uh, for big episode 300. I mean, Jesus Christ, 300 episodes is a lot of podcasting. I mean, that Woo! is a testament to you and the work that you have done here. I, I, I've been on this podcast before and, like, not told you how much this podcast means to me, but I told you privately, and, like, it's amazing. Like, you, you do this work for free, <laughs> um, and you do, like, this. this podcast is... It was my favorite podcast before I joined the site. It has been incredibly important to me on so many fronts. <laughs> um, and thank you for the work that you've done here, Mike. It's incredible. It's incredible. Oh, geez, I, I am terrible yes. at accepting praise, so this that, that was not easy to hear. But, th- but thank you, Zach. Well, you're going to have to accept more because you do fantastic work, and I'm honored to be a part of it. I know. And then thank you, Hillary, for hosting those Hakuoki episodes uh, in uh, last month because it, it made me going from – I was already curious about playing an Otome game, maybe even by the same <laughs> studio. And now it, got, it had me Googling the various Hakuoki remakes and the other games from, uh, <laughs> from Otomate. And it, was, it was a very interesting research hole to dive into, and they were, both episodes were fantastic. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, it was a good jumping in point. So go for it. There's something for everybody, as Nikki has said on those episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't listened to them yet, but I absolutely can see where that discussion went, knowing (laughs) having been on podcasts with Nikki a few times. Um, Yeah. Do you know what? If I can jump in now as well, I mean, I've been on every zero or 300, like every double zero or zero episode, like I think. I'm probably like second panelist now. I think most people associate me with this podcast. Which you, I'm I, I, honestly I can, I can, by. I can confirm you are the second most common uh, panelist after me, but you have uh, Peter beaten by only a couple episodes. I should have been everything. Everybody else has said something nice about you, and I want to say something nice about you. Um, as another RPG fan podcaster, uh, first off, 300 episodes is absolutely incredible. We're only 80 episodes away from you. We'll catch up. No, we won't. Oh, you're going to keep going. And uh, one of the things I love, it's not just talking video games with you. It's talking podcasts with you and talking about uh, RPG fan, uh, working with you on the site in, you know, writing reviews occasionally and be coming on uh, random and you coming on. You were on the 200th episode of uh, Random Encounter where we, we did a live taping on all three of our faces were on and that was so much yeah, being I, on any podcast. With I apologize. Just, I apologize for that. Uh, seeing my face has been known to cause trauma in women and children, unfortunately. Oh, oi! <laughs> Stop it! None of that. Of it, the uh, it was a delightful episode to do with you, and coming on here has been a delightful episode. I love podcasting with you, man. I really, really do. 
Maybe okay. I didn't get to finish my positive thing. I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I've been on so much, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being self-reliant, which is like totally the antithesis of me. Just, I mean, I've told you a million times, like we're really good friends, and we've hung out a few times, and yeah, you you've brought out the best in me in so many different ways, and essentially let me meet some of the most important people of my life or get to know them better and the stuff you do on this site you are way too hard on yourself like ridiculously hard on yourself and you have no idea how much people appreciate you whether they say it to you or not and i think the, like you've had people listeners people on discord tell you how you've helped them how you've like provided something for them to give them a bit of a positive boost and things like that something to listen to and that's great, and the fact that you do this for free in your own time, often times overworking yourself, is ridiculous and insane, and, you know, you're a great person, Slowsi, and, yeah, just thank you for okay. everything, you do such a great job. <laughs> okay, I, I, I do not like hearing all of this, but, uh, but, it, but your, your, true. Your, 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 posi- yeah, your positive <laughs> thoughts, your positive thoughts and comments are, are very appreciated, uh, I do put a lot of my uh, self into this podcast, and I am happy and proud of, let's say, ninety nine percent of it. Um, and uh, and and it, running this show has become a big part of my life. I, uh, I I love I love talking about video games with people, and um, and I love podcasting with all four of you and the other people that make up the spreadsheet list of who's appeared on the podcast the most number of times. <laughs> that was that I was that I was double checking a few minutes ago. I I knew that you had it. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not surprising. It's, it, it, if there's five things people associate with me, it's what podcasts, Power Rangers, spreadsheets, and I don't know. Uh, Dragon Quest, manholes. Yeah, uh, Dragon uh, Quest the is the correct on. answer. Oh, is, is Dragon Quest? Okay. <laughs> Did I get some Dragon sure. Quest fan art commissions not weeks ago? Correct. <laughs> I, I will. I will share that with you once it's a uh, once it's complete. Uh, thank you, everyone, for allowing me to be on 227 or more out of 300 episodes over these years. Uh, and uh, hope, I'm not going to say we're going to do 50 more or 100 more or however many more, but I want to keep running this podcast until I really can't anymore, and we'll see how far that goes. And uh, But I think that we had a lot of fun this episode. We discussed 16 great games and arrived at, at four games that uh, will go down to a public vote that I am anxious to see the results of. I have no idea what's going to win the public vote. I could see any of them winning it truly. But uh, I'll, I'll probably develop a theory in the uh, days in between now and us posting this podcast. But we, we'll see how it shakes out about 10 days or two weeks after the posting date. So, uh, listeners, maybe you already have, but please find the link to vote for the um, uh, Retro Encounter Episode 300 poll. We will publish the results when we are ready. But now we are ready to end the podcast, so let's talk about what's coming up next. Um, we did an episode on Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne last week, and we are following that up with it, its part two next week. Um, we, again, we, uh, it was only coincidence that oh, we couldn't have those two back-to-back because I wanted episode 300 to actually be episode 300. That's the, that's the con- confounding factor there. And then uh, following... Game is hard. Yes, Zach, you, you and I have much to talk about uh, next week. We do. Yeah. And, uh, but, Jono, the week after that, you and I have much to talk about because we're doing a spoiler cast on The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which is uh, two, two games released for the 3DS many years ago and for the Nintendo Switch very recently. Um, you and I will uh, go deep into those two um, narrative adventure games of sorts, or anime lawyer games of sorts. Uh, I have not finished 
them yet, but I am really enjoying them. It's it has been a struggle this week to pull myself away from Ace Attorney to play more Nocturne, <laughs> which so good, Mike. It's it, so good. It's, it's real good. Like like it. it uh, I haven't played a new Ace Attorney game since Spirit of Justice came out, and it just it just felt like a warm hug. It felt it feels like coming home. I I missed the years of having a new Ace Attorney every year or two, and it's uh, I'm I'm so glad to have two uh, new ones to play in my life. Uh, but that is coming uh, probably the first week of September. But later that month, um, Alana and Zach, you might remember. Oh, and Hillary, you too. We did a bunch of Persona episodes in September 2020. Uh, we are we are going to do a couple more in September 2021. We are doing two episodes on Persona 2: Eternal Punishment, a sequel to the game. Yes. That, yeah, the sequel to the game that we played last year, and because. I really want to play Eternal Punishment. I'm going to join the panel on this one. It's going to be a I real good time. I'm so excited, and I'm also excited not to host. But I'm also mostly excited <laughs> <laughs> to talk about these games. Like, I, Innocent Sin was, yeah. oh, it was, it was a time. Woo. It was Innocent, a great game. Innocent Sin was a time. It also means I'm going to play uh, two very spicy Shin Megami Tensei games back-to-back. But uh, we're, here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see exactly how that goes. But we're also going to do uh, an, an extra Persona episode that... We have I have not nailed down yet, but we're going to have three Persona episodes in September, uh, two of which are going to be about Persona 2 Eternal Punishment. But listeners, if you want to talk to us about Shin Megami Tensei or Great Ace Attorney or Persona 2, the best way to do so is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on RPG fans, mostly empty boards. Visit our quite active Facebook page or our Instagram, our Twitter, our Discord, our YouTube, our Twitch, something streaming every day on Twitch, all kinds of nonsense going on on that Discord server. Please interact with RPG fan however you choose to interact with RPG fan. You can also listen to our other podcast. There's Random Encounter, which is hosted usually every two weeks, usually by Greg Delmage and Jono Logan. Isn't that right, Jono? It is absolutely right. Or you can also uh, listen to R- Rhythm Encounter, our podcast about RPG f- music. Um, and Jono, you and I have both hosted episodes of that. Yeah, and uh, one should be coming. I think one will be out by the time this episode is released, and it is a very exciting episode indeed. Yeah, the last two episodes... Prior to this, if my if my calendar math is right, we're uh, on the Bravely series and on adventure games. So, listeners, if you love yes. the music of either of those two things, please listen to those podcast episodes. Uh, oh, but in addition to Random Encounter and Rhythm Encounter, there's also Phoenix Edge, our partner podcast, which is usually weekly, usually about current events, but they talk about all kinds of RPG topics on Phoenix Edge. Please listen to... Retro Encounter, Random Encounter, Rhythm Encounter, or Phoenix Edge, however you choose to, via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. There's so many ways to engage with podcasts, and these four are great. Are four great podcasts to match our fan favorite four games in that uh, in that poll that we just published. But uh, <laughs> speaking of publishing things on social media, let's tell you the listener how to find us, the panelists, on social media. Starting with you, Alana. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at Alana Hagues, or I'm on the RPG Fan Discord as Alana. Now, Jono. You can find me on Twitter at Jono underscore Logan, or you can send a message to me at j.logan at rpgfan.com. And Hillary. Uh, the easiest way to reach me for RPG Fan stuff is Discord, where I'm EP Fire. And Zach. And you can email me at ZachW at rpgfan.com, or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. And I'll say and a fourth time because I do not understand how serial sentences work. 
you can find me on the probably most easily via Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time. At Evoker for Dogs at other times. I am also on RPG Fans Discord as Monsoon Mike. So. Thank you again, listeners, for listening to our 300th episode. Thank you again, panelists, for joining me on this 300th episode. Thank you to our special guests, Mike Salbato, Rob Steinman, and Leona McCallum. It was lovely talking to all three of them. I did Yay. not tell these panelists that there would be special guests. So, nope. <laughs> so, their, so their surprise was genuine, especially when the first one rolled yeah. around. They'll be hearing yeah. from my agent. It's true. It's <laughs> but listeners, thank you. Good night and good luck.